The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to the drive-through episode number 27. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now let's pull up to window number one for our showcase. <laughs> is it that time of year already? <laughs> Is Tanya high? <laughs> How's that song go? Trick or treat, not my feet. <laughs> More like trunk or treat. Do you have your Halloween costume for your car ready yet? You know, I wanted to go with my favorite two pieces of brown foam over the roof of the car to look like a toaster, but I've reused that so many times. I got to come up with something better. What about you, Brad? What are you thinking? Halloween costume for your R32. Paint it white and call it a marshmallow because it looks like a giant marshmallow. No, you know what? Maybe make like a knitted white hat and put it on top so it looks like Papa Smurf. Mm. No, 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 no. So paint it white and then put that strip of seaweed around it so it's a piece of sushi i was gonna say you've got the makings of a sonic hey there you go oh yeah yeah, yeah. i just need the red and white shoes mm-hmm. that, might, that might work yeah. out pretty well what about you tanya how are you gonna decorate your car i haven't given it no thought any suggestions probably a new paint job right because you're not happy with the color so <laughs> Which we'll one? talk about that more later womp 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 I'm fine with the color. And, and the TDI, you should just... Little, little blue. Just nail the throttle and you just... This costume is fog. I'm just fog. Crop duster. <laughs> yes, I'm... I like it. I'm, I'm pollution. I'm making your children <laughs> sick. Noxious gas. <laughs> well, she could masquerade as a clean diesel. I mean, think about that Ooh. costume. I, you know what I would do is I get a little license plate surround that says my other vehicle is a clean gasoline. <laughs> Because those exist, right? Well, zing! (laughs) But in all seriousness, it is the season for trunk-or-treating and trick-or-treating. And if anyone's interested in some tips or tricks or treats, because they haven't quite planned out their Halloween fun-tivities yet this year, you can hop on over to a girlsguidetocars.com and find a number of articles featuring different Halloween tips and tricks, how to decorate your car, if you're going to a trunk or treat, how to decorate it, if you're just looking to be fun and decorate it, and also some helpful reminders for Halloween safety, as it is the time of year when lots of children can tend to get injured by other vehicles. So pedestrian safety, public safety announcement, don't go speeding through your neighborhood on Halloween night as you don't know what ghouls and goblins are running around. PSA in general, just don't go speeding through your neighborhood like an idiot at any time. Halloween is not yes, exclusive. This is true. And especially that drive through Halloween park in Orlando, whatever that thing was we talked about like two years ago. I wanted to ask about that. Did we hear anything about all the number of casualties that happened last year? Because I didn't hear anything about it. I was severely disappointed. Did not hear about number of casualties, but spoiler alert, it's back this year. What? Ooh. It must have been successful then. It is all new this year. A new 30-minute thrill ride for $20 if you find yourself in Orlando. If you drive your own car through, how is it a thrill ride? Unless you're going over 80, it's not a thrill ride. 
It's a slow, it's a more like a bar crawl than a thrill ride. It is Florida. If you're behind the wheel and stuff jumping out at you, that's quite thrilling, even if you're going two miles an hour. But if I do recall, you drive to locations and stop. So there is no moving and having people run out with chainsaws at you. Because that would be a recipe for disaster. If our listeners out there have some awesome Halloween traditions that they do with cars, I think we should hear about it. And we'll probably be posting about it on the BrakeFix Facebook group. So if you want to jump on there and give us your tips and tricks for this Halloween, I'd be sure interested to hear about it. I'm sure my kids would be delighted to know too. So send us your pictures of your favorite car or your car dressed up or things that you do with your car, your best trunk or treat pictures, because I'm curious to see them. But you know what else happens in October? The whole racing season is pretty much winding down. Unless you live in a place where there is no change in the seasons. So for those of us here on the East Coast, things are really rapidly winding down as it's getting colder and colder every day. But what else is wrapping up is the open wheel and Formula One season. So why don't we jump into that as our showcase for the first time in 27 episodes. Let's kick it off with Formula One. There's only four races left. One coming up this weekend that will have happened before the drive through airs. We do not know the recap on that as of yet. Who will take first place? It's Lewis Max Verstappen wins. <laughs> favorite track, but he did not win there last year for the first time in forever. I heard that Mercedes was doing some changes to their front wing. Sounded like to help with turn-in, so maybe he'll stand a chance? Likely not. So can we just make predictions for this race that has already happened when this airs? I'm going to say that Verstappen wins, followed by Leclerc, followed by Verstappen's teammate. Sergio. Sergio. Yeah, Checo. Followed by Sainz. Followed by Hamilton. Sainz is going to crash out and end up in like last. But isn't Coda just like Monaco? You end where you qualify unless you screw up. No, there's plenty of passing opportunities at Coda. For the back markers. Mercedes has been so far ahead of the pack, but this is a different year. Maybe Hamilton didn't do so well at Coda last year because just like this year, he has to explain his latest jewelry investigation. Jewelry investigation? Tell us more. I think it has something to do with his nose stud and he had to leave it in place because he was having an infection of some sort hadn't they already got on his case about wearing jewelry during the races like earrings he already you know the nose ring and everything like that like they're very much against it i'm like because it's safety we'll use that excuse fine whatever i mean as long as it fits in your helmet it doesn't obscure your vision or whatever it isn't ripping into the flame retardant material the helmet why do you care but i mean if he's having issues Take the damn thing out. I don't know what to say. Is this like the women that go to an office environment and they've got a nose ring, so they got a a piece of a Band-Aid over it because they can't take it out? Well, apparently he had it like soldered in, so it was like permanent stud, Mm. so he couldn't take it out. And so they gave him exceptions, and then he took it out because of the rules, and then he got an infection, so he had to put it back in. And I guess that's where, like, the newest debacle is. Well, he soldered it in, so he had to use a Dremel to get it out. So, of course, he had an infection. <laughs> he had to have somebody on the team Dremel it out because he couldn't do it himself. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know, like, how you do that anyway. I could- I got to say, these jewelry rules are stupid, and they're all over the place in sports. The Yankees 
has nothing to do with Formula One, obviously, but they have all kinds of weird dress code rules as well. I don't know if they changed them recently because I haven't been keeping up, but they used to have one where nobody on the team could have a beard or any facial hair whatsoever. I think they allowed mustaches at some point, but yeah, and, and no jewelry. I mean, very few people were allowed to wear jewelry and stuff. It's I think those rules are stupid. That mustache rule is hilarious because all the baseball players look like 70s porn stars. I mean, it's, they're terrible. Yeah. Okay, my piazza. <laughs> I, could, I can understand those rules in a sport that could have potential contact between people yeah. because yeah. that could be a source of injury. Like, yes, baseball is not a contact sport. However, players sliding into bases, there's potential to contact somebody else. You could have an injury that way, a tear sure. off of jewelry or scratch somebody. Uh, so I could get that rule. The nose stud in your nose, inside your helmet, if the crash is so bad that your helmet is compromised to such an extent that the nose ring becomes a problem, it doesn't matter anymore. You're dead. There's <laughs> a very high problem. I mean, am I missing something? Can your family recover the nose stud and sell it for millions? You know, I could understand like a rule that's like, don't wear rings because why would you honestly? Because your hands can swell or do whatever when you're doing physical sports like that or a situation of you know i don't know something happening and and your finger getting smashed and the ring cutting off your finger or something like that or same thing with a, a necklace chain even though that should be tucked into your suit not a big deal but heaven forbid it got snagged somehow on something and i don't know chokes you but your nose stud i don't know earrings if you had an earring like again if your helmet's that far compromised you're not giving him an f1 about your nose ring in this picture he's got his airpods in does he wear them when he's racing too is he out there listening to like jay-z and oz or where whatever the hell lose him well they all have an earpiece right well he's definitely not listening to the team the, the joke is that he's listening to music or something and not paying attention to them but you know who never had to worry about any of this in his 60 plus years of racing mario Formula One champion, 1978, Mario Andretti. And he made some news in Formula One this month. He got back in to the seat of a Formula One car, a modern Formula One car. Modern-ish. It was a pre-four-cylinder turbo McLaren thing. It, was, it sounded amazing. It sounded good, yeah. What was it, a 2013? Yeah, yeah. The 2013 McLaren, and he got to drive it around Laguna Seca. I don't know how many laps he got. From the video I watched, it's only about five minutes. He did at least three, and his yeah, first lap, I was, I was like, oh, man, he's driving like he's going to Kmart or something. And then he, he was <laughs> he was actually doing the right thing. He was hitting all his apexes. Mm -hmm. He let it warm up, and by that third lap, I was like, for an 82-year-old he is booking. I mean, you heard him going into the turns, downshifting, get right back on it. I was like, dude, he's still got it. And you yeah. watched his lines and they were super clean. And I was like, man, you go. That's awesome. We need another 80-year-old driver out there competing against him. That's called VRG. <laughs> <laughs> You need like the League of Legends or something. International Race of Champions. Yeah, I rock. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's still around, they need their own series. <laughs> the G series, geriatric. I mean, NASCAR's got most of the senior citizen sponsors on their cars. Anyway, Cialis, Viagra, AARP. I mean, what's the difference, right? The Silver Fox series. You know, we talked about this last month. You guys brought up the whole thing about Colton Herta and his super license and all that. And you know what? Somebody followed up on exactly what you guys were talking about, that there were other drivers that would have been rejected under these F1 super license rules. And they brought up 
up eight of them. The new super license rule, which this rule came into effect with Max Verstappen's move into super license in 2015. So he was the reason why they even instituted this rule. So basically himself or a lot of people before him not have qualified for their super licenses into F1. And the eight drivers in reverse order. Oh, it's a Letterman list. Let's go. Number eight, Alonzo. Really? Number seven, Damon Hill. Whoa. Number six, Alan Jones. Who the hell is he? <laughs> Jensen Button at number five. Number four, Nigel Mansell. Wow. That's impressive. Can you imagine us missing the great Nigel Mansell? Number three, the Iceman. Jimmy Raikkonen. Really? Because apparently he had like three days of racing or something <laughs> ridiculous. It wasn't three, but he didn't have very many races under his belt. Number two. This one surprises the hell out of me. Nikki Lauda. Really? Because essentially he bought his way through <laughs> F2 and into F1. <laughs> the good old days. And then number one, Mr. Max Verstappen himself. Who brought this rule? That's an interesting list of folks. The history books would be a lot different if this rule was in place. So that's what I'm getting at. Why does this have to be so complicated? If you want to buy your way in, you can afford to run in a Formula One team. No, because Mazapan is the reason why they don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> he might spin. Isn't that, what is, isn't that how you pronounce it? Maz- spin. I feel like this is just another barrier of entry. Exactly. For people that don't look like the rest of the people that are already on the F1 grid. Yeah. It's just another barrier of entry and, and a long list of other barriers of entry to, to prevent people, like women, people of color and things like that from getting access and be having an opportunity. Americans in general. Yeah, having an <laughs> opportunity to race on you know open wheels biggest stage. It's kind of sad. They talk about you know Mario, the American F1 winner and all that. And I'm not discrediting any of his wins because they're all legitimate, his championship and everything, but he was a naturalized American, dual citizenship or whatever. Since what? Scott Speed was the last one that really tried and that didn't go anywhere. Michael tried, that didn't go anywhere. There was always like something in the way to get an American F1 driver out there. And it's like this Colton Herta thing is just, again, they're playing these games to your point. We don't want the Americans here. And I don't understand why. Do we not have the talent? It's like they're redlining. Just to circle back to give credit to Mr. Alan Jones, in case anyone is wondering who he is. He was a one-time world champion from 1980 Australian drivers. This is why I don't know him. <laughs> okay. He's like that guy who played one Bond film. Laserbeam. He was awesome. And he was yes. also from Australia. It's an Australian. He was a Williams driver, in case anyone else wanted more fun facts. I don't believe that a Williams car won. <laughs> They used to be something. Back in the day, yeah. They definitely were. Oh, there's still something. (laughs) I hear that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. So AlphaTauri is trying to be Ferrari now? Whatever. Their car had a little flame incident in pit lane during... I think Singapore Grand Prix next. At least they were in pit lane. Ah, but everyone was right there and as we were about to roll him back out of pit lane and then whoosh. <laughs> Whoops. Anticlimactic. And the Singapore race was actually quite interesting. Not really yes, no. It's a city court it's a city track, right? So it's uh-huh. a street course, very tight. Essentially, it's follow the leader. So the position you started in was 
basically the position you ended in. So Sergio took the early lead right off the line, and that's where the race ended with Sergio Checo Perez coming in first, followed by a 2-3 Ferrari finish. There was some interesting whoopses and almost misses throughout that race. Uncharacteristic lockup by Lewis, which totally shunted his chance at pressuring into third place. Verstappen had terrible grid position. I forget. I don't know what penalties he got that he ended up like eighth when he started and then obviously didn't break back into the top three because it's a really hard track to pass people on. And, you know, that was that race. And then we had Suzuka, which was a cluster. I watched the first couple laps. And then it stopped for two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was... Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What? I had to go... I had, I had other things to do. I had grocery shopping and kid detail. Yes, yeah, so it was like a nine-hour race, and eight and a half of those hours was not doing anything. That's an exaggeration. So it started, it was raining, and under the glorious judgment of I don't know who, everyone started on inters, on intermediate tires. I was very confused by this when I saw the lineup of the names and everyone had the inter tires next to their name. It is actively raining. Why are you not going out on wets? And it's not even like the radar was like, oh, well, in the next five minutes, it's going to stop raining. So, you know, I don't want to be on wets. No, no, no. It was like actively raining and going to be actively raining for like the next several hours. And everybody went out on inters. What happened? Partway through lap one, Carlos' rear end broke loose and he crashed. Then somebody else had like a, a failure and ended up red flagging the race basically on lap two. And then they sat there for like two hours, not doing anything, waiting for the rain to subside. And then when they finally decided to go back out, everybody put wets on. It wasn't raining. <laughs> so then what happens? Two, three laps later, they're all freaking coming in and switching back to inters because the wets are terrible because it's not actively raining. How many pit <laughs> incidents were there? There were there were a few. People were like leaving the pit lane side by side yeah. and all this crazy stuff. And somebody touched somebody else in the pit too. I mean, it was it was complete pandemonium. That's butt slaps, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. I mean, there was a whole thing, and and like Gasly, it was whole, kind of funny. See, he was so pissed because when Carlos wrecked, they red flagged, but they moved the recovery crane out onto the track. There was so much road spray, you could not see a single thing. So people got very upset because the same thing happened on Suzuka. A number of years ago, Jules Bianchi ended up dying because it was wet rain conditions. There was a crane out attending to another car. He ended up losing control right near the crane. And he went at like however many million miles an hour into the crane. And he ended up coma, blah, blah. Months later, he's come to those injuries and died. They did the exact same thing. Zero visibility. There was a crane out on the track. These drivers didn't even know. Gasly was like super pissed when he came in because he drove right by it. However, later got like a huge penalty because he was speeding under red flag. But there's like a whole thing that like it hadn't come through yet on like their little steering wheel that there was a red flag. So like he didn't slow down. The whole race was a cluster. <laughs> Verstappen won. Leclerc came in second. Sergio came in third. Leclerc ends up in third because he bombed through the last corners, cutting them, biking line, and ended up getting a five-second penalty. Brilliant. Verstappen was declared two-time world champion at this race. Yeah. So the the rest of the season is kind of moot. It's the rest of the season is now who's going to get second place. <laughs> So who is going to get second place? Do we have any psychic? They're still trying to figure out the constructor championship as well. 
Right. Comes down to Ferrari powered or not Ferrari powered, right? I mean, that's how Formula One is right now. No, because Red Bull is pretty much going to win. Who are their engines by? Um, Honda. Honda. It it was. It's still Honda. Yeah. They don't have their engines yet, right? They claim to have their or they their own powertrain. I can't keep track of those people. It's not a Ferrari or Mercedes powertrain now. But they were right. That's where I'm all lost. No, they they were Renault and then they switched to Honda and then I think Honda pulled out. Yeah, it's still it's still Honda. Oh, it is still Honda. They're still Honda until the motor power unit swap in 2026 oh. which is when audi is coming into the playing field because unlike the whole porsche thing they've committed to build power units starting in 2026 committed in so far as they're like we're gonna start ra- winning races within three years they're already throwing down the gauntlet something about how they're working with the current Alfa Romeo team. So this goes back to the same question. Is it Audi's chassis, Alfa slash Ferrari power plant with some stickers? Like, what are we doing here? But you're saying they're going to build their own motor. So then it's not the Alfa Romeo team. They're just taking over the Alfa Romeo engineering and management and all that stuff. They're replacing the Alfa team. They have a 75% buyout deal with Sauber who owns Alfa. They're supposed to be building power units. Now, the car that they unveiled in August already, which is very nice looking, <laughs> very nice. is Audi. Audi rings all over it. Audi colors. It reminds me of the Dakar e-tron thing that they made. It's yes. like the same style. It's got those same grays. <laughs> branding. Yeah, exactly. Branding. Smart. I mean, the Porsche one didn't look like a Porsche. That's for sure. It looked like something else with stickers on it this to your point looks like what we expect from an audi race car now i still hearken back to the alms days of the r8s with the silver and the little color on their nose and all that kind of thing but this is their new thing for you know the 2020s is this this multicolor grays and blacks and red and it definitely sticks out it's definitely pretty cool but we gotta wait a couple more years right before they even hit the stage they're not gonna have cars until 24 is that right they can't do anything until 2026 because sure for now, what they've been saying is they're going to supply the power unit. And in fact, I thought there was something to the effect that they've got a unit that will be ready even later this year or next year for testing. So they're definitely doing something with power units. I don't think they can do anything earlier than 26 because they're going to have to be adhering to whatever the new rules are. And then it's TBD in the future if they're forced to share power units. So maybe there could be Williams running Audi power plants. Don't know. So the bigger question is, what does this mean for Porsche? Because you know what happens wherever VW and Audi go, Porsche soon follows. So they're going to come and swoop in and say, that's great. Thanks for designing that car. And then they're going to slap their stickers on it and claim that they made the engine and all this stuff. The way I see it is it's a four cylinder power plant or whatever it is now. So they're going to go grab a two liter turbo out of an A4, modify the hell out of it. And uh, we're going to go to F1. Well, the whole thing was they were going to do their separate things, right? They wanted to have both teams out there. And then the whole Porsche Red Bull thing fizzled out. So now Porsche is basically screwed, sort of. But they're still like, I want to play at the party. Let me in. So they're still dancing around in the background. And the question now is, do they still buy into another team? Partner with the Williams, Andretti, 
something happened there and they go with Andretti. I just don't understand how Volkswagen can afford to run two full teams. It doesn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't they just do Porsche and v- and Audi together? Maybe run two cars on the same team instead of two Audis, just a Porsche and an Audi under the same management. I mean, the cars aren't going to be that different at the end of the day, because let's face it, who's building the chassis? Is it Audi's chassis? Is it Delara? Somebody else, right? You get into that game, which we talked about before, even when Porsche came to the table, it was whoever's chassis with a Honda motor with a Porsche badge on it. And and so it's not, they're not building these cars from scratch. So it's sort of like why field two teams of two cars, they're doubling down. More advertising for them. I guess, but they're competing against themselves. It's it's silly. That's right? what they always do. But it, but it, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be a team team, though. It's, it's shake and bake. It's not just shake and shake. That's <laughs> not how it works. <laughs> it's not you twice baked. shake it and then you bake it. No, it's not. It's not, not bake twice and bake, twice yeah. baked. No, it's not bake and bake. You know bake. who's sitting around going, team, team, there's no I in team? Danny Rick. Because he's not on anybody's team. Womp, womp, womp. What a fall from not even Grace. I don't know what is. But he had a huge misstep when he left Red Bull, Bull, basically. Yeah. I mean, he's your boy. Come on. It's Danny Rick. Yeah, something's going on. He's just not the same driver he used to be. That kind of answers the question. Was it the car or was it him? It's obviously the car that cowboy hat that he's been sporting over the last week what is going on is he a rodeo dude now like what is he doing that's his shtick to be funny and lighthearted and humorous wherever he goes and i think he just loves texas so you know gotta put that cowboy hat on he's very much like richard hammond he is a closet american Drives a Mustang, goes to cars and coffee. Runs over a bunch of people, and yeah. That's why he doesn't drive an F1 anymore. I thought you would be more heartbroken about this, Brad. I know there are people out there that are just devastated that Danny Rick isn't going to be I, on the last I, I am. I am disappointed because I think there are other drivers that deserve to go versus him. But for instance, I think Lance Stroll doesn't deserve a place on the grid. I think Danny Rick does, but Danny Rick doesn't have the deep pockets that Stroll does, and his daddy doesn't own the team. He is actually in a great spot right now that he won't be tethered to Formula One. If he turns his eyes the right way next year with GTP and Le Mans and WEC, do like Alonzo did. Get yourself into an LMP car, get your crown somewhere else, right? And maybe he's better suited to sports car prototype racing. We shouldn't really feel bad for Danny Rick. If he's doing the right things, he's looking for another seat in another discipline. He's got a shit ton of money. I don't feel bad for him. Yeah, I would totally go to Daytona and watch him race in the 24-hour at the Rolex, 100%. Yeah. Yes, I would do that. Or he could go to WRC and nobody else would ever see him race again. <laughs> League of Legends. The other big news, the other person who's leaving, which is going to break many hearts and crush many souls, is the one, the only, Gotifi. Who? Gotifi. The goat. Can't, can't Hamilton's out? No, Latifi. No, oh! <laughs> Gotifi. Latifi. They kicked his ass out. She made a funny. Oh, oh, this is what I get for not watching Drive to Survive. Yeah. He doesn't pay attention to F1, so he doesn't know that Latifi is called Gotifi as a joke, that he's the goat at sucking. (laughs) 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 So finally, Williams made a smart move. (laughs) 
And they're kicking him to the curb. And I believe Nick DeRise, who had the most awesome job interview a couple races ago when he sat in for Alex Albon's appendicitis emergency procedure and actually scored points for like first time in a while for Williams. Um, I think he got the seat. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> and he was the test driver, right? Is what you told me. Something like that. And then he was reserved. So they put him in the seat and uh, he did very well for first time actually out there competing. So he will be on a full-time seat. Awesome. Good for him. Congratulations. Meanwhile, I think there's news from Haas. They have a new sponsor. What? Woo! Is it Rich Energy yeah. again? Bang Energy is going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've signed on with MoneyGram. They're still around? Yeah. Oh, yep. wow. I thought they went out of business like a decade ago. Like who? MoneyGram? I think really? it's a lot bigger in other countries, like it... Rich Energy was. Oh, because we got to wire the money to the Nigerian prince, so you still need MoneyGram. Yes. I understand. Yes. Yeah. Because the banks won't let you wire funds to people on the OFAC list, but MoneyGram may. <laughs> or Formula One teams. That's yes. how worth they're paying for. No, no, you're thinking of Force India. <laughs> Good for Haas. Good for Haas. Because since he might spin's dad pulled all his money out, they got to get sponsorship from somewhere. Unless Mazaspin's dad is involved in MoneyGram and maybe it's this back door <laughs> where we're funneling money around somehow, you know? Again, MoneyGram is still a thing. Seriously. MoneyGram is headquartered in Dallas, Texas. What? That's unbelievable. But in a world of Venmo and PayPal and InstaFunds and Cash App and people still use MoneyGram. I mean, I'm I'm hung up on this. I'm going to be thinking about this the whole episode. Wait, does, so MoneyGram. Okay, so this makes sense now. MoneyGram does the uh, money orders. No, the post office does the money orders. No, no, no. You can go into 7-Eleven and buy like a MoneyGram money order, I believe. My mind is melting. There are a lot of people out there that don't have checking accounts or can't have checking accounts. So they do everything through money order. And who do you get your money orders from? MoneyGram. Congratulations to Haas. They have a but sponsor. I, I, I've got one more question though. When does the MoneyGram book come out? So everybody's <laughs> picking up the, the, the Rich Energy book. So when are we going to get a MoneyGram book? I got to email Elizabeth and find out. They got like a, a, a three book deal, right? The next three Haas sponsors. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be the Rich Energy, MoneyGram, and AOL. Yeah. <laughs> There's a trilogy. I still have an AOL CD on my desk. I use it as a coaster. My girls asked me the other day, what is that thing with the little yellow man on it? I'm like, it was a weird conversation, let me tell you. <laughs> These used to come in the mail, all the CD. <laughs> so do the MoneyGrams come in the mail. There's other news coming out of Haas. And I love this quote. I guess they decided to cut Mick Schumacher finally because he cost them a fortune and he has wrecked a lot of cars that have cost us a lot of money. It was very profound. I mean, that's a Yogi Berra quality quote right there. Mick costs a fortune. He wrecked a lot of cars that have cost us a lot of money. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> that's exactly what Mick Schumacher has been doing. He comes to a fork in the road and he takes it and he wrecks the car. And now he cost Gene Haas a ton of money. I think the problem is he doesn't take the fork in the road. He's taken straight down the middle of the fork where there's no road. <laughs> yeah, straight, straight down the fork. That's why Haas is using MoneyGram, because Gene Haas is paying his people with money orders. <laughs> the check is in the mail, literally. It feels like the pot calling the kettle black. They have to blame somebody now that Mazaspin is gone. Felt like he was wrecking a car 
not only in free practice, free practice two, qualifying, and in the race. It was like every time he set foot in a car, it was either blowing up or wrecking or whatever. So it's like really, I mean, fine, I get you want to find a way to cut him loose. But the question is now, what's Mick Schumacher's future? And like I said last month, just like Danny Rick, I think he should go somewhere else and come back to Formula One. So at what point do we not blame the driver and start looking at the car? Mazepin, he bought his way in, whatever. But Schumacher, he actually did really well in F2. Didn't he win the championship in F2 before moving up to F1? But the F2 cars are totally different. They're like skippy cars, right? They're all the same. They're underpowered. I I don't think it's because he lacks skill, though. I mean, he probably drives better than most of us, but... (sighs) Well, that's not hard. I mean, they're all super talented, right? And they wouldn't be there to some extent. Except for the guy that got beat by the test driver. I mean, come on, seriously. Yeah, there's always an exception to every rule. But for the most part, like, it should be exceptional drivers because F1 is the pinnacle of racing, right? So it's like you hired everybody who was number one in their school, in their class, and then you put them all against each other. Well, someone's not going to be number one anymore. So it's weird because it's like these are all top drivers, but then clearly there's somebody who's coming in for a second, third, and someone who's coming in 18, 19, 20, or not at all. (laughs) Again, I argue that there should be, just like there is in WRC, F1A and F1B, and there's a champion in the lower half and whatever, because if you divide the top 10 from the bottom 10, it's two totally different races. Okay, put Max Verstappen in the Haas car. Can he still be number one? Because clearly he's driving wise amazing right or the red bull is just so far out of the league but if you put him in the Haas car if he can't finish better than whatever position then it's like okay then it's a car problem right and they don't have the money to put into their car because they really didn't this year like everyone else has exceeded their budget caps or just at their budget cap and like they haven't hit it yet so it's like they're intentionally not spending money so they're not making any improvements so if you've got a shitty car didn't we already prove that with hamilton once they changed the mercedes he's it's like 10th place all the time he doesn't can't get out of his own way so was it him or was it the car so he went from goat to go in one season right <laughs> because russell up until the last few races was always top five finishing in a mercedes so how did they tune the cars different from each other the same team same mercedes cars but one is doing worse than the other that was a criticism that mazepin had and his father had of the haas team last year was that mick was getting the better car that's like saying you're getting the better go-kart at the go-kart track i get that (laughs) i don't know but i feel like formula one has always been this way since the days of lotus where it's like cheat as much as you can until you get caught and then just kind of pull back and so that's why you see these huge discrepancies and the changes but the cars are all the same by regulation. I think that's BS. It can't be. You can see that they're not because the Red Bulls pull away and they pull away sometimes at staggering gaps to everyone else. And it's like, how? How is that possible? And I mean, one could say that that was the case for the Mercedes for years and years and years because it was like, you know, Hamilton's in the lead and nobody can touch the Mercedes and now suddenly nobody can touch the Red Bulls. It's unfortunate for Mick. You hate to see it because of his father. Not only is he out of the seat for Haas, but he's, he no longer has that Ferrari seat either. Haas has a new sponsor, but do they have any drivers for next year? So another thing that they've said is, <laughs> Gunther it was either Gunther or Gene. I don't know which one it was, but someone from Haas has basically said they're done with rookies. They do not want to see 
seat drivers anymore that are rookies. They want somebody with experience in their seats. They're, they don't want to train them. I believe Gunther said, we're fucking done with these fucking rookies. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's, that's, that that's, sounds that's about a very right. Gunther quote. <laughs> That'll be on Drive to Survive next season. It's true. So it'll be interesting to see who they seat there. Danny, Danny Rick. Danny Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say I'm tired of F1 and F1 fanboys and girls saying F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. It's the self-proclaimed pinnacle of motorsport. I don't think it's actually the pinnacle of motorsport. It's, it's not the greatest motorsport in the history of the world. I'm tired of people saying that. Bye keep saying it multi-class endurance racing is the pinnacle of motorsport and to your point about they should have f1a and f1b so the f1 grid is essentially multi-class racing <laughs> that's my point <laughs> they're gold silver and bronze level right just like it is in sports yeah, car racing <laughs> and silver fox level just bring mario and Dreddy back they'll be much better off for it he can run for Haas. no problems there he'll run for the andretti team for those of you that actually pay attention to Formula E, it is reportedly ditching their fan boost option for the next season. There's Formula E. Are, <laughs> are they replacing fan boost with checkpoints from like Forza Horizon? No, do it like man, Nintendo. What was it? A rad Racer. So like yes. if you were missing the checkpoint, your car started slowing down, but you could like still coast through that checkpoint and then like, boom, the power is back on. <laughs> do it like that. Yes, have Elon Musk get the button turning people's power off and on. You know, the other thing that's going away, they got mentioned this month, is Formula W. The women's version of Formula One is no longer going to happen. Going back to what we were talking about, multi-class formula racing, I was always against the idea of having something separate. Why, to your point, Brad, from earlier about all these gates and the super licensing and everything we talked about, when are we going to see the first female Formula One driver? I didn't think the series was ending. I thought the series was just ending early this year because they ran out of money. But that's it. They ran out of money. It's over. For the season, but it's not necessarily that they're not going to get money yet for next season, right? W Series is ending their 2022 season early to focus on fundraising for the 2023 season. So they're trying to raise funds for next year. You know how they do that? Money, Graham. When are we going to start seeing rich energy at W Series cars? When are we going to get our first Formula One female driver? Apparently we've had one before. Wait, we did? She's from Italy years ago. Really? Lella Lombardi. No woman has raced in a world championship F1 race since Lella Lombardi's 12th place finish in the 1976 Austrian Grand Prix, which ended her brief 17 Grand Prix spell across 1974 and 76. Still by far the longest racing career in F1 for any female driver. You learn something new every day. Look at that. She did better than any Haas driver. <laughs> Maybe they should look into her. Maybe Haas should go the W Series route. Probably a good time for us to transition to more normal automotive news and get out of our showcase here and talk about Volkswagen, Audi, and Porsche news really quick. And we've mentioned for several months now that Porsche is going public. You know, they're going to be traded on the NASDAQ and things like that. Their IPO is topping the tip top tip of the range and financial advisors and investors are going crazy. $73 billion IPO. That's huge for a car company, especially a Porsche size. So like we said before, if you're looking to invest, you know, it might be time to jump in on some of that Porsche stock. Although then again, it might cost you as much as a brand new GT3. So is the ticker going to be poor? <laughs> That's good. I like that. Meanwhile, in Lambo land, which most people recognize Lamborghini as one of the 
youngest, hottest Italian auto manufacturers, except they got bought by the Germans like 15 years ago or so now. And most Lamborghinis are just really old R8s underneath. That being said, Lamborghini, as we've mentioned before, they're opting for a GTP. That's the former LMP1 category of Le Mans WEC racing with their own entry. I'm excited to see what a LMP Lamborghini looks like because traditionally they run in GT classes with the Porsches and the Astons and the Ferraris and everybody else. But we're going to have to wait until 2024. I'm tired of waiting. Yeah, me too. It all seems like we got to wait another four or five years. But what it signals to me is Lamborghini is probably going to get Porsche's leftovers after this year because Porsche's got to come to the big stage first, right? It's all in the family. It will be a different power plant. It's going to be a V8. So you say to yourself, wait, didn't Lamborghini say they have this phased EV plan? Well, they're saying gas V8 2024. So we're going to have to wait a couple more years to see what Lambo does. Meanwhile, I think somebody is a little burgundy with envy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why? Because Ken Block's daughter has a UR Quattro with the correct paint color. <laughs> yep. And they built it in no time flat. It must be nice to build a car in no time flat when you have a shit ton of money. Right. In a squad of mechanics at your beck and call. I enjoyed this video. It's in the show notes. It's her taking her new old car, I guess you could say. A not fully hooniganed out long body Audi Quattro Coupe. First generation out there. Again, I I don't know where they're finding these cars because there's not that many of them to begin with. But they happen to get another one. It is Titian Red. You know, they put the car together rather quickly. I've been following the videos. And the other day they went out for a test drive for the first time. She also went for her driver's license. And I found this video really, really entertaining. There were some pretty accurate depictions of what goes on when you drive one of these cars. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. Let's start with the Ye Shall Find second gear. If you can't find it, grind it. He was just like, just skip to third. And then you just hear the whole thing just bogged down completely. I'm like, yep, that's what it's like driving a five-cylinder Audi. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) You got to take your time. You got to take your time a little bit. Having owned these cars, having worked on these cars personally, you need to be as if you were driving a Bentley. Transition from one gear to the other. The minute you speed shift it, everything binds up and it's over. It's not going to happen. Because his car has one of those fancy smancy pistol grip super rally shifters sequential job or whatever he's got in there and it's nothing like her street car so i i'm glad that they just didn't build a replica and paint it red well i enjoyed when they turned the heat on or the the air conditioner something and all of a sudden like stuff puffed out of the vents did you catch that (laughs) it's like yeah that happens all the time the other one is where your the bottom of your shoes get really really hot when you drive it yeah i was like oh honey she what is she whatever she said she's like oh yeah my, my like feet got really it was getting really hot i'm like oh yeah honey yeah, your leg's going to start to burn after a while. <laughs> yep, that tunnel gets real warm up there. Yeah, with, in those yeah, cars. Those, you don't got a problem in the wintertime in those cars. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how she's like, oh, the dashboard's all clunky, and it wasn't even bolted down. Well, like, it wasn't even. That one was like, it's not even attached. I thought I heard her say, like, she put on the turn signal and nothing happened. I was like, well, that No, does. she put the turn signal on, and her lights started flashing or something. <laughs> Like the headlights started blinking. That's normal. <laughs> You'll get used to that too. Are you sure it's not? You turn the, the turn signal on and the battery voltage is, is, is fluttering and it's causing the headlights to blink. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is why you use a 20 valve alternator and all sorts of other fun upgrades. Yeah, I mean, the five cylinder world, for those that don't know, it's very peculiar. There's a lot of things you got to do. There's a lot of things you got to update and backdate. It's perfectly fine. It, it is. It's fun to see somebody spending time with these cars with new eyes. But the things that she's complaining about or, or really not complaining about, are, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's you'll get used to it. <laughs> it's not a Subaru. It is what it is. Well, it's time that we move on to Lower Saxony. We actually have some news from both Mercedes and BMW. So what's up? What is up indeed? So if anyone's in the market for a new Mercedes-Benz, the new EV Mercedes on the EQS platform, the 2023 SUV, you can hop on over to a girl's guide to cars.com and get a very nice review from Sarah Lacey on this new Mercedes model. I like it, but I liked more when I got done reading the article where it said, hey, check out this 2021 GLS 63. That's is a nice SUV. I just don't pay attention to those. And then when I started looking at it, this one had some wheels, some other stuff done to it. I was like, that's a handsome looking car. I'd be okay with that. The new one, I'm not sure. It's still that no grill grill. At least they give it a grill. I don't really like the ones where they don't give the cars the grills anymore. I don't know. It must be from years of just seeing cars with grills. It's it's weird. The Tesla look. I like it even if it's the faux grill. The styling's a little bit better than some of the more recent SUVs. They're very elongated looking and very squished. I don't know. Maybe this one is still like that, but it looks a little bit maybe rounder in the front and not so much as like a squished hot dog roll. So I don't know. I'm not in the market for Mercedes, but if you're in the market for an electric Mercedes, you might want to try this one out. The interior looks very posh. Very nice. I mean, if somebody offered you a Gullwing Mercedes, you wouldn't take it? Oh, yes. 100%. (laughs) You're not in the market. You're always in the market for an SLS or a GTR. Come on now. If you're saying that market is free, then yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of all these improvements that Mercedes is making, it's been reported that some of the new interiors, as cool as they are, touch this, do that. You know, we've heard BMW talking about you're going to have to pay for features, you know, and unlock them like achievements and all this kind of thing in your car with a subscription plan, heated seats and all this. If you've used any of these infotainment systems that exist, everything's integrated now. Now, right? It's all into your, your dash and your radio and all that. And there's actually sites out there that rank them. And for the longest time, like the Uconnect system that Mopar and Chrysler were using was like one of the top ones because it was simple, it was durable, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then you had like, you know, the Q and Volkswagen system and all this and BMW where they didn't want you to touch every, anything. So you had to use a knob to make it all work. That being said, Mercedes has said, you know what, you know, that whole don't make me think thing, you know, no more than two clicks. Five, five clicks to get to certain features. I don't have time for that. Where are my physical buttons to turn on my heated seat, to turn on my AC, to turn on my freaking radio? And you know who agrees with me? Johnny Ive, the designer of the iPod and the iPad from Apple. And he says car manufacturers need to go back to physical buttons in the cars. And I say, amen. That's a bold statement from somebody from Apple. Because they got rid of the buttons on the iPhones and I want mine back. And you and you alone. <laughs> I, 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 I am alone. But I do agree with the buttons in the car. So five buttons on an LCD screen, that's about four too many. 
a physical button, you get that muscle memory, you can reach your arm out, you generally know where your arm is reaching to, you feel it, it's tactile, you understand what it is, you can move it, you don't have to concentrate too much. I got to be flipping through menu screens, like I'm ordering at wherever, or I'm searching through Netflix on my tablet, that's distracting while you're driving down the road. Yeah, 100%. What the heck is that? But you're not supposed to be the one driving. The car is supposed to be driving you. So you're just supposed to be spending your time playing with the buttons and stuff and keeping yourself occupied while autopilot crashes into something. Yeah, while it crashes into something, you want to be in the utmost level of comfort when you total your car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where's where's the voice activation technology, right? I mean, if you're going to have five clicks to adjust your seat because there's no longer a button to adjust your seat. First of all, there's an inherent problem with adjusting your seat from a menu system. Yeah, give me a button on my seat. I reach down, I move it. Come on now. Audi figured this out in 1990, okay? They figured out electronic moving seats with in little joysticks. They had little joysticks, yeah. Who is the car manufacturer that has the optional mandatory OnStar subscription? Wait till you have to call OnStar. Hey, OnStar, can you move my seat back three clicks and turn up the heaters? And some single person answers the phone. Excuse me, sir. It shows here that your subscription has not been renewed for that service. Would you like to enter your credit card number now? (laughs) Yeah, let me pull it out while I'm driving down the road at 90 miles an hour. That would be great. Yeah. Would you like me to engage autopilot while you get your credit card out? See, what happened was the way my bank account's set up is I need to transfer monies from my my savings accounts to my check-ins accounts. I'm sorry, sir. We do not accept money, Graham. (laughs) If it's good enough for Haas, it's good enough for me. Oh, it sounds mess. like we all need to be riding around in like 2000, the Night Rider cars. So you can just talk to it and be like, Kit, my butt's cold. <laughs> You'll be like, okay, you can see it's on. Michael, did you just say to open my butthole? <laughs> I feel like no, Kit would have a snappier comeback. <laughs> Kit, my butt's cold. Well, Michael, maybe you should be wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! What else is going on with Mercedes? So much to most Americans, nothing, because they could have cared less. If anyone remembers the little smart car. The joint venture between Mercedes and Swatch. Yes, the watch manufacturer. That's, that's fine. That's delightful. Who doesn't love a nice Swatch? Who doesn't have a Swatch? If you don't have one, go get one. You've been missing out. That's the next F1 sponsor. <laughs> Swatch. <laughs> The Swatch is going to sponsor Mercedes factory team. Smart left our shores in 2019, and now they are reinventing themselves. Mercedes is joint venturing with the Geely Group. Isn't that that movie with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck? Geely. 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 I don't know how you pronounce it, quite honestly. It's the group in China that owns Volvo, Polestar, Lotus, ah. et cetera, et cetera. That one. Oh, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Those, those Geelys, Geelys are partnering with Mercedes-Benz to offer a new, improved, all-electric smart car. Hashtag one. Um, And much to the disappointment, it will not be coming to our shores. So the car is called the number one. Pronounced hashtag one. And they'll have a hashtag two and a hashtag three. I don't want to live in this world anymore. I'm all done. You thought it was bad when it was with Swatch, but maybe that was a good thing. I like the way it looks. 
It looks better than the Kia Soul. It looks better than the Mini yes. Cooper. It looks better than the Polo. It looks better than pretty much everything in this class, in this size. And no, it is not the goofy baby shoe of a smart car that we had before. This is a four-door mini compact hatchback, and it actually looks really good. I'd be okay with this. So I am a little disappointed that we're not going to see this, but... I think just like a lot of other cars that probably should have never come to the United States, the first smart car has soured us all. And the expectation is we're going to get this thing that looks like a PLP 50. But no, it actually, it looks really neat. All jokes aside, I do actually like the way it looks. If you had just put this in front of somebody without the smart on the front of it, they wouldn't know that it was a smart car. So unfortunate, it's only going to be sold for now in China and Europe. Who knows, maybe in the future, cars this small really struggle in the US and they're going full electric. So there's not going to be any other options for it. And that's just another strike against it for this market. You know where they could park that smart car? Inside the new grills of the BMW GTP V8 hybrid with the name that you know, takes a whole encyclopedia to write out. I mean, I could park myself in one of those grills. (laughs) They look like those honeycomb hotels like they have in Asia. Yes, in Japan. Seriously, this BMW is probably like the M8. It's going to be bigger than every other GTP car on the road. And you're going to find parts of them inside of these grills. Can I just say, though, all of these new hybrid era cars are fantastic. They have me so ready for next year. And I've never been a big prototype guy. I've always been more the, I guess, the sports car side, but the GTLM cars and the GTD cars. But these, I'm all in for these guys. I can't wait to see them. You know what's really cool about this? I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but if you zoomed in on the pictures that we posted with the show notes, they've talked about the BMW on the big stage coming to Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans. But if you look really, really closely, just over the nostril in the blue section there's the imsa stickers yeah so there's a high probability we're going to see this car next year on our shores maybe even at rolex so i'm speculating there but to have the imsa badges on there it's not like us where we collect them at the race and slap them on our cars that's legit so are we going to rolex might have to uh, consider it to go see these bad boys I guess they redesigned the new X5 using. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Continue. Using the template of the GT Le Mans car because uh, I just, I don't know what to say. It's really bad. Who's in charge at BMW? Like, what is this? This front is horrific. And it's not even the grills that are bothering me. It's what is going on with these lights. There's like three tiers of lights. Or is that second tier even lights? Is that an air duct? I can't tell. The photo's not great. It reminds me of the the Jeep Cherokee that had the three headlights, right? In the front, they were stacked. Uh And Uh I, I realized why they have to do this. It's like trifocal lenses where you you look out over Uh the top one and you look Uh down because the damn thing is so tall. You need multi tiers of lights to be able to actually light up the road and not be, you know, spotting helicopters and stuff because this thing is mammoth. You're going to need a step ladder to get inside of it. It's just so big. And that front end probably comes to my forehead. I don't understand. They keep making these things just gigantic. So to have multiple headlights, you need something to illuminate the road. Otherwise, you're a lighthouse. 
I don't like it. I th- it's ugly. hundred percent. It's ugly. And this is the X8, not the X5. Does it really matter? Well, it does. They're two completely different vehicles. I can tell you exactly what the X5 is going to look like. So we're going to put that in the Xerox machine and we're going to put it on shrink by 25%. And then you're going to get an X5. It also says this is just a rendering based on what the spy photos show. Do not ruin my hate. <laughs> I hate it with you. The back end reminds me of like that Acura ZDX or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Weird, like straight but sloped kind of back end. It's just, I don't know. It's That's like that new Volkswagen Touareg Atlas thing that they chopped off the rear end. I don't even know what they call that thing. It's the Atlas cross sport or some bullshit. I, I saw one on the road and I was like, that looks dumb. It looks like they cut the roof off. Like, why would you want to buy that thing? And, you, and then I was like, can you see out of it? Can you put anything in it? Like, what's the point? Is it because it exceeds the clearance bar at the McDonald's so they had to chop the roof off so you could get under there? Like, I don't understand. Well, we should talk about Stellantis. They've been awful quiet. And the news that's coming out of that design house is... A new upcoming biopic on Ferrari, finally, I guess, for all those Ferrari fans out there. It's a movie or TV series about Enzo Ferrari starring... The men who started House of Gucci, none other than Adam Driver. Is that Kylo Ren? Yes, that same person. Emo Darth Vader. <laughs> Emo Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did an okay job in House of Gucci. I was kind of surprised when they made this announcement. Obviously, we hinted to this movie was coming out before, but they hadn't said who is going to be casted for the movie. Now they're saying Adam Driver is going to play the role of Il Comendatore himself, Enzo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I could see it. He probably wouldn't have been my first choice, but maybe his weird Italian accent was so spot on in House of Gucci. that. They- <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. So, so, so let's play. Who would you choose? Who would you choose over Adam Driver? His name is Daniello Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> The Australian, exactly. Yeah, true, true. That would be perfect. That would be fantastic. He's not doing anything. (laughs) I'd have to think about it because Enzo, he looked old when he was young. So you need sort of like this Kirk Douglas type to like, you know, get in there. There's like a hundred years old, literally. I'd have to think about that. Like, I don't think there's anybody in Hollywood that really kind of looks like Enzo that is an A player movie actor or whatever. So I'm sure fans are probably groaning. Steven is here going, Oh my God, I got like 10 people that I can recommend right now. Maybe we'll post it. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. (laughs) We'll post it in our (laughs) Facebook group and see what people think. Why does it have to be somebody from Hollywood though? I'm so sick and tired. This is another. Why can't it be an Italian actor playing an Italian? Oh, Oh my God. Look at that idea. That is groundbreaking right there, Tanya. That's what I was going to be my point. The barrier to entry in motorsports is nowhere near the barrier of entry in Hollywood. I saw an article the other day about all these white people that play all these different kind of ethnicities in these other films and TV shows and stuff. And yeah, why not an Italian actor play an Italian? How about that? It should be Mike the Situation Sorrentino. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I thought we were saying Italian actors. (laughs) <laughs> he's about as italian as you can get haven't you seen him <laughs> jim yeah. tan ferrari <laughs> they could have used the guy from ford versus ferrari that played edzo although he was older whatever they should get al pacino to do it he plays a good italian <laughs> sicilian i'm sorry <laughs> sensible woman <laughs> Matt Damon. 
But in all seriousness, there is some real news coming out of Stellantis this month. Yes, very exciting. If you're a Jeep fan out there ducking around, make sure to duck on the new Avenger Jeep that's going to be coming out soon. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stellantis made a vehicle called the Avenger years ago. Stellantis didn't. Dodge did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Right. So we're going back to that name because we know the pedigree that comes with the Avenger. People have put that out of their mind. Oh, that okay. is gone. Well, I'm reminding them to go Google Dodge Avenger right now. 200 horsepower, front wheel drive performance. Just as fast as that Google page loads, it will be swept through the memory banks as was in the history books. Okay. The Avenger Jeep is going to be a subcompact the first all-electric offering from Jeep, it's going to be smaller than a Renegade. Wow. So you know what that means, folks? We're not getting it here. Fiat Panda. Yep. It actually looks really freaking cool. It looks good. And it, the pictures of it with like the wide body, like trail edition or whatever it is yeah. in like the gray look even better. I'm like, yeah. ooh, I like that. I'm getting closer to a Fiat Panda. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the new Grand Cherokee should just be a bigger version of this. Right? Because the new one's ugly. Yeah. The new one's ugly, and so is the Wagoneer. Hot take. Oh, God. The, the crap in ear. That Cro-Magnon forehead that is the front end of the Wagoneer and the Grand Cherokee. And I took a picture. I posted it on social of my Grand Cherokee WK two and a half next to the new one. And it's like, they couldn't be any more different. Like they should have, like we said, when the Cherokee Nation was coming after Stellantis to change the name, they should have just changed the name. Because other than the fact that it wears a Jeep badge... It doesn't work for me. But this new Avenger thing is pretty cool. It's a sportier Renegade. It looks bigger than the Renegade. It kind of reminds me that it should be more like that compass that they came out with, the reintroduction of that in that kind of lineage. But if you're telling me it's even smaller, then we're talking like Fiat 500L size. It's slightly smaller. They're saying it's a half a foot shorter than the Renegade. Wow. That's really small then. It looks really proportioned though. If I was a small European man, I would drive one of these. It looks great. The interior wise, they did a lot of cool things in the spirit of being an outdoorsy type of person in terms of all like the different cubbies and places you can store yeah. your gear and whatnot inside. It looks pretty functional. looks pretty clean. I like this metallic Dijon. That's what I'm going to call it. It's cool. That's a neat color. It, it kind of reminds me of like a, it's a very 80s color, even almost like late 70s color. It's kind of nice to see that. Yeah. It looks good on it too. Like you say all the time, Brad, there's not enough browns and earth tones in cars anymore. We're getting the same old black, silver, white, navy blue. For a time though, there was a lot of beige and grayish. <laughs> you can thank all the Toyota Camrys for that. Well, we need to move on to domestic news brought to us by AmericanMuscle.com, your source for performance OEM and replacement parts for your Chevy, Ford, or Mopar product. Ah, we got our because chips excuses again. Because blue chips. Can you believe this one? I actually laughed at this. Ford ran out of blue oval badges so they couldn't ship cars. Can you imagine getting all the way through production and you don't have any more Ford badges so the cars are sitting around? Why aren't they just putting a sticker up there anyway? <laughs> There's no grill on the Mach-E, right? Just so go on Amazon, buy yourself a $5 sticker that somebody over in Chechnya is printing and then slap it on the front of your Ford F-150. But seriously, there's a lot of Fords that just say 
afford like the Raptor. Why don't why don't they just give all the trucks the Raptor grill? Then they don't need a blue oval. There's no blue oval on a Raptor on the front, at least. Any excuse to not sell these cars because nobody's buying right now. Like economies in chaos right interest rates are all over the place we're on the brink of another recession inflation all this stuff i mean i feel like they're always making cars hoping people will buy them and that goes back to something we talked about before which is just make them when they're ordered especially if i get what i want you know if i want triple black and to your point i want this badge or i want this hood or that emblem or whatever it is bespoke is cool i'll wait for it maybe i'm in the minority people just they got to go get a car they got to go get a truck whatever's on the lot purple pink yellow or white they're gonna buy it so i feel like ford just needs to take all the badges off these recalled broncos and put them on the fords that they can't sell and maybe they'll have a product that somebody will actually want to buy what's wrong with the bronco this time uh the same thing that's wrong with all of our mark four volkswagens the drive shaft boots <laughs> so the Customer satisfaction program, as Ford is calling it, is recalling or asking people to bring in their Broncos purchased or built between September 2020 and September 2021 for the drive shaft boot because of poor materials. By now, you think we would have come up with some sort of space age polymer that would keep CV boots from blowing up all the time. But, you know, hey, whatever, that we keep making them cheaper. So, but you know what isn't cheap? And I'm hoping that, you know, if you need one to replace one of these, you can buy this on AmericanMuscle.com because have you heard how much it costs to replace the taillights on the brand new Hummer EV? It's not quite like a Lotus Elise where you got to replace the entire monocoque. It's totaled if you get a crack in the, in the clamshell, <laughs> yeah. right? It is $6,100 just in parts and probably thirty five grand in labor. $6,000 for a taillight? Yeah. That's some rich people things. Well, the Hummer EV is already a rich people thing. It's oh, like a six I figures. Know. So when you cheat on your wife and she comes after you with a golf club, it's going to cost you about 12 grand when she knocks out both your taillights. That said, do you guys remember when we talked about the towing test between the Ford Lightning and the Gas Silverado? It was a couple months ago, a couple drive How could back. I forget? <laughs> It was riveting, you know, the explanation of the ATC trailers and all this kind of stuff. But the point of all that was they came to the same conclusion that we already said, which is towing is a lot more stressful on the vehicles, charging is a problem, unhitching, all that kind of stuff. So here we go. Another test of the Ford Lightning against the Hummer EV that we were just talking about, both towing toy haulers behind them, pull behind campers. What they were going to do was leave from Boulder, Colorado and drive basically up to the top of Estes in that general area, up into the mountains. And the idea was it's like a 75 or 80 mile trip one way. And then if they got to the top and could turn around, they are going to coast down back to the bottom because there's an Electrify America station there so they could recharge and then take the trailers back to their their original starting point. So they didn't hit the checkpoint in time. So they got to coast to the checkpoint, Rad Racer style. Rad Racer style, exactly. exactly. They didn't have enough fan boost points to do it. Did the Hummer do the crab walk while towing? I would have liked to have seen that though because I think the trailer would have been none too happy. It would have been pretty funny, yeah. Can you imagine this crab walk feature like you're sitting at a red light and the hummer in front of you just crab walking. i mean i've seen a lot of pickup trucks do the crab walk but that's because of bent frames not because they were actually crab walking <laughs> i did see a video recently of the hummer ev doing the crab walk at speed now i think it cuts out at like 20 miles an hour or something like that but it was kind of cool to watch it instead of doing the slow-mo lebron james with the animated crabs in the 
commercial, like somebody who's actually doing it. I don't get the point. Four wheel steering has been around for a while. So I'm sort of like, okay, I get that too, because that thing's so big. Maybe it helps the turning radius, but why crab walk? It's like, who cares? Because they can't parallel park that thing and they live in the city and they need a Hummer in the city. Okay. Let's talk about crab walking because it's more interesting than this trailer thing. But the point is, if you want to parallel park, the wheels have to go completely yes, perpendicular. Yes, yes, so you're still moving forward. At an angle. Yes. Yeah, it, you yes. start early. So you, you still start kind of in the same place you normally would. And then you just kind of crab walk sort of back. At no, you don't. You, 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 <laughs> in what would take you and I, pedestrian, non-Formula One drivers to, to parallel park in like two moves, I guarantee there's going to be videos on social media of people trying to parallel park with crab walk on. And it's going to be like a thousand point back and forth trying to get that <laughs> in there. Speaking of a thousand point back and forth, let's tangent for a hot second right now, because the other day through the neighborhood, swear to God, and had I not been so flabbergasted, I should have pulled my phone out and video recorded it. I had the unfortunate or good fortune to watch this person. I do not know how this pickup truck got in this position, okay? But it finished with literally like a 15 point turn to get back in the right direction they were perpendicular in the road front was at the curb the rear end was perpendicular with a parked car they literally did a 15 point turn to get the car pointed forward and i just sat there and could do nothing because my choice was to back up and do my own three-point turn <laughs> and do another way but i was captivated and mesmerized like a train wreck and i didn't have the wherewithal to get my phone out. They needed crab walk on this truck. They could have scooted out from away from this other car. I don't know how they didn't hit the other. I think they were hitting it each time. <laughs> <laughs> That's $6,000 a taillight there. What what I want to know is, will the Gen 2 Hummer EV come with a rear seat and steering wheel like those big ladder fire trucks? And you need a second driver to drive the <laughs> rear end of it. No, because you make a really good point. Because with electric motors now, what's to say that you can't just jump out and run around to what would be considered the back and then just start driving it forward? What does the electric motor care? So let's go. Done. Honey, I need you to get in the back and drive the rear end. So you don't even have to change directions. You just drive to one end and then you get in the other seat facing the other direction and drive back home. Exactly. It's like a, like a what? Like a train? Oh my God. What? Dasha has blasphemed trains. You know what would make it even better? You put it on a track and then you don't have to drive at all. It just Bag does oil. it all well, for it, you. Then it has autopilot. Getting back to the punchline of this trailering story. There was a point. The point is the lightning got smoked again. So I guess the point, the moral of the story is. Don't plan the trailer with it because if you bought one, you probably weren't planning to trailer with it. So it's okay. But you can power your house. The real test that people aren't doing, how many bags of mulch fit in the back and how far can you go? That's, That's the real test. How much shit from Lowe's or Home Depot can you bring home? Well, we've already decided with the Cadillac Blackwing XT Super Turbo Charged V8 pickup truck thing, you can't get anything in the back of it. So that one's out. That was a fail. Why aren't they doing these tests with the Eagle Eye Hammer Thrust? I feel like that would beat the Lightning too. Or me a bit a more closer comparison. Dude, everything beats the Lightning. The Camisa did the drag race with the trailers. They got trashed. 
it got trashed by the gas Chevy. It gets trashed by the Hummer. Apparently, it can charge itself with its own generator, you know, all this stupid stuff. What is the point? They are not doing themselves any favors. And what I don't get and what I said at the beginning was with as much surface area and land mass as that F-150 Lightning has, why doesn't it have 600 miles of range? Because then when you're towing, if you get 300, you're doing better than the gas equivalent. I don't I, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's massive. I saw one on the road. It's huge. Yeah, I don't understand. So they put like a nine volt battery in this thing to run it, but it's still the same size as a regular F one hundred and fifty. No, it's it's six double A's, like a like a Sega Game Gear. It's a Ryobi. Got to take it out and charge it. Put it back. Yeah, you can buy the batteries at Home Depot. It uses the same eighteen volts. (laughs) I'm gonna wait for the forty volt version of the Lightning to come out. You know, then we can talk about it again. But yeah. So speaking of electric pickup trucks. Unfortunately, if you've recently purchased a Rivian, you are falling under, I guess it's first recall, or or I'm not sure if it's its first recall or second recall. At any rate, there is a recall due to a inappropriately torqued fastener on the control arm to the steering knuckle that could come loose. That's not important. No. I mean, it's just steering. It's fine. There are a bunch of Rivians running around down here. I'm finding out as I venture out more. I saw at least four or five over the weekend. Well, that's like, you know, still in the 1% of the ones that they made because the number that they've produced isn't as much as I thought it was. Really? Yeah, it's only 13,000 cars. But all of them are being recalled. Not a huge expense, but it's still costly even if it's a 50 cent part. Multiply that out. I mean, it's not even even a part. They literally just need to torque it down. They're saying it's like minutes. Why do they even need to have you come in? Why don't they just give people instructions here? Climb under your car. Go to this spot. Do a couple. Did you just hear what you said? Yeah, I I I heard it as it was coming out of my mouth. Okay. (laughs) At any rate, just drive through your local Rivian dealer, and the the technician will just reach under, torque it, and you're good to go. Don't even get out of your truck. If you go back to the old days, the reusable chassis, the skateboard platform, as GM once tried to call it, you know, there's a bunch of different concepts now, Volkswagen, you know, the MQ chassis and things like that. Well, there's an EV platform out there now that's designed to help low volume manufacturers. I looked at this and I said, this is great. It's the same idea as the Mercedes Sprinter concept where they will provide you the chassis. It's ready to go, drop in your battery of choice, Samsung, LG, Tesla, or otherwise, and build your car around it. I think that's cool, but I also think it perpetuates this entire era that we're going through where it's one boutique manufacturer after the next. I think we need less distributions of the same flavor and a car company to build the Model T of EVs and be done with this nonsense. It's rich people things. It has to be. I mean, that's who's going to buy these. They talk about, oh, putting the body of a 356 on top of this EV skateboard platform. Okay, who's going to afford that? That build must, I don't even want to know how much that build costs. Yeah, finding a 356 alone, if you're starting with a real one, is going to put you back a hundred grand. So Yeah, so I mean, these are going to be one-off, bespoke, rich people buying these. But that goes back to the conversation of why not just take the actual car and then retrofit the EV power plant into it like they do with EV West and some of these other places. Why would you want to cut a car apart and then graft it to another chassis? To me, it seems like more work. I don't know. Because you got to rip all that stuff out anyway. Why not just come up with your own design? Since we're talking about Resto Mons, a Scorpion has unveiled the best 
version of the electric AC Cobra. And I would say it looks awesome, but... I mean, it looks like a Cobra. <laughs> exactly. Like every other Factory 5, AC, Shelby, you name it, that's out there that's building a Cobra kit car. So I'm like, okay, so you put an EV in it. Great. It's still a Cobra. It still has all the Cobra problems. I feel like it shouldn't be called the Scorpion. That doesn't have anything to do with snakes. It should probably be like the Puff Adder or something like the that. Asp. The yeah. Asp. <laughs> It's the garden snake. They could have called it the rattler. That would have been cool. The rattler, the sidewinder, copperhead, the, the anaconda, the python, <laughs> the boa constrictor. Nope, scorpion. Scorpion. <laughs> Maybe there's a snake called the scorpion that we don't know about. They should have called it the honey badger because the honey badgers eat cobras. Oh. Guess what? There is a scorpion oh. snake. What? This type of snake has a translucent skin that shows its red organs and interrupted by black lines. So now I want to see Scorpion's logo and see if it incorporates the Scorpion snake or if it's a scorpion with the No, that's why the car looks the way it does. It's a silver with the red accents and the black. Now it makes sense. That is so deep. That's such like an inside, inside joke. Like unless you're a nerd like Tanya, you wouldn't know. You go, that's a cobra. The logo definitely is a scorpion, scorpion. Fail life. They didn't even know to look up that there's a scorpion snake. Let's move on. Yeah. So never to disappoint. Speaking of people disappointing us, Sony and Honda would never disappoint us. And we talked a while back about the Sony Vision. They debuted at electronics conventions for like the last two years. Well, it is finally getting a release date. So they are partnering. No shocker or surprise here. Sony and Honda partnering together to form a brand new company called Sony Honda. Honda Mobility, and they are saying that they will begin accepting orders for their joint venture in 2025 with deliveries taking place in 2026. They were going to be building it stateside in a Honda factory, most likely up in Ohio. Sony handles all the glitz and glam while Honda builds the car parts. (laughs) You lost me at Mobility because when I hear that, I immediately think of those Dodge caravans that are modified for wheelchairs. Like, what a terrible name for a company. Like, like why would you choose that? Because I, I don't know why I immediately just word associate with that, but I, I don't know. Why make another company? Just sell it as a Honda by Sony or something like that or whatever and just sell it at Honda dealerships. Who's going to service a whole nother dealer network for a whole nother company? And that's part of the thing. They're trying, I think, to say that they're going to do like online sales or are they trying to go like the tesla route where it's like you really don't have a place to go service it but you're gonna have to have a place to go service it so are you bringing it to your local honda dealer or is there some other special place buried in the woods to bring it that's an interesting point you bring up you're also going to see a shift now if dealerships are downsizing and they're going to this just as ordered inventory and online ordering and you see the Carvanas and all this kind of stuff, you know, making car buying easier and all that. This was not a paid promotion. If there's no dealer to go to, does this mean that there's more opportunity for like your local Pep Boys or Meineke or places like that to step in and now service these vehicles as independent facilities or am I kind of off base? I could see where you're going with that, but they definitely are going to need a lot of substantial training on the new technologies and everything. I would see doing that and then having everybody go through like a certification process to work on these vehicles. And then as your shop owner, 
You could say, I'm certified to work on the Sony Honda, you know, whatever EV platform, bring your cars to us. Just like you see nowadays where the European car specialist or the Italian car specialist, you could do that. I don't know if it would happen though, because they would charge for the classes. These mechanics, some of them might not be able to afford to go to the classes, so they couldn't get certified. Johnny B. Good's going to be working in his garage, working on somebody's Sony or Honda, and he's going to blow it up. Well, you know, we talked about that Cobra a minute ago. You know who else is going electric? And we mentioned it before that they were hinting that they were not to be outdone in the most lavish world of automobiles, Rolls-Royce has introduced their new EV at the Goodwood Festival. The Spectre. Ooh. Any guesses how much this thing weighs? 15,000 pounds. Close. 6,559 pounds. That's British pounds, not American, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is more than my truck weighs. How many stone is that? It alleges 577 horsepower and 664 foot-pounds of torque. And with all that power, 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. It is the same color as the Jeep we just looked at. So now the metallic honey Dijon that this Rolls Royce comes in, it's the appropriate color for this. This is Grey Poupon. Excuse me. (laughs) Grey Poupon. It's not bad looking, but it reminds me of the Bentley Continentals. They're bringing back the suicide doors. Lots of really interesting things going on here. But who's really going to buy a two-door Rolls-Royce coupe that doesn't play for the NFL or Manchester United? The same people that bought the Ghost? (laughs) The only person who's going to buy it is someone with $400,000 MSRP. I don't think I like it that much. And those lights in the back that are from like a early 2000s Buick Riviera, they just don't do it for me either. Did you notice the cool interior feature it has? Starlight. Yeah. The same feature that every Rolls Royce has. <laughs> do they really? Yeah. They've been doing that for a while. I think it's like Well, it continues the feature of stargazing through your moonroof. So maybe yeah. it's my eyes and I need to zoom in on the picture, but did you guys notice that it doesn't have a brake pedal? It only has one pedal? Oh, yeah. no, you can't see it. It's there. You need to adjust your monitor coloring. <laughs> adjust your brightness, fool. So this is a late addition to the EV realm. Oh. But I've been seeing a lot of advertisements for the Cadillac Celestique. I did recently see that advertised All as well. over the place. Oh. It's the hand-built flagship EV from Cadillac. What is this thing? Spring on the flames. I think it looks really cool. It's like like a CTSV with the back end of that old 70s Maserati. This looks like that Jaguar hearse from Harold and Maude. Like, this is heinous. What are you talking about? I think it looks really cool. The freaking brake lights. No, no, no. no. You know what it is? Into the D pillar, like all the way to the window. What is this? It's a Citroën. It's a Citroën. It has to be. It looks so French. Like, yes. It is so bizarre. Like, if you told me this was a Citroën CX, I would have been okay. Fine. It's weird. It's the French blue. Dude, this thing is ugly. I don't know what you're talking about. It is it is very very French looking. Oh my! It's God. it yeah. It's probably designed by the same person that designed whatever Citroen you just described. Oh my God! The blue interior. That's like the '70s all over again. What? But it's hand built in Detroit. Oh my hand God! It's built. so terrible. And the back. Oh my God! This side shot, like this three quarter side shot. It looks like a Jensen Interceptor, like the one that was in Fast and the Furious. That uh, what's her face drove. It's cool. No, Tanya, get in here. Get in here. It it it. it mm. 
speechless. She loves it so much. She's speechless. It looks good head on from the front. What? I don't mind it. It is head ugly. on from the front. From every angle. For what Cadillac's trying to do. But it is particularly bad from the back and the side. It really does look like a Citroen CX. Oh, wow. I like the look from the, the rear three-quarter view. What? Yes. Slap a V badge on it. Give it a supercharged 6.2 liter V8. And you got my attention, fool. It does do zero to 60 faster than that Bentley, though. 3.8. Guys talk about all the time. There's the crazy hot scale for women i think there's the ugly fast scale for cars <laughs> look at it closely and tell me this wasn't designed by somebody from amc what well, was it is it amc or is it citroen both they got together a, and- a french american designed this car <laughs> terrible oh my god those lights alone how no i'm going to sell everything i own and buy one yeah, for 300 grand uh-huh yeah. and then i will live in the back of it thankfully it is huge <laughs> important question is does it crab walk it might be a feature you can add. It is bespoke. Now it's time to turn to your favorite section, Brad, Lost and Found, where you tell us what the cheapest car sold on Bring a Trailer was this month. Oh, I thought I was doing the oldest brand new cars you can buy. But do we have any more of those? I mean, I thought we ran out of Dodge Darts. That 1988 Cadillac DeVille base is still for sale at Gray Chevrolet. Brand oh. new 1988 Cadillac DeVille. But... I have another car for you. Two of them, actually. This one is coming soon. A 1999 <laughs> Nissan Sentra. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't make this shit up. I mean, I swear that it writes itself. Yes, Toyota of Hollywood, who has a 2.3 star rating. How much are they selling this 1999 brand new Nissan Sentra? For the cool price of 6997 But I am skeptical of it being brand new, given that it has door dings and scrapes, and it looks like somebody drove it along a pillar in a parking garage. <laughs> You all know what I'm talking about because you've seen that car in your neighborhood that does that. It's new to you, and that's why they have a 2.3 star rating. New to you. But if that doesn't tickle your fancy, I have a coming soon 2004 Toyota Camry XLE for $6,036 at Hanley's Davis Nissan. That reminds me of that meme that was going around this month where where it's like Toyota recalls all 1990s era Camrys because they've been on the road for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Owners need to buy something else. You can get the 99 Nissan at the Toyota dealer or the 2004 Toyota at the Nissan dealer. (laughs) (laughs) They might want to do a DX, a dealer exchange. Yeah, they might want to just go ahead and swap. But if you've got rich people doing rich people things, you can still buy a brand new 2005 Ford GT base for $450,000. I swear that thing keeps coming down in price every month. So there's your uh, car buying news. We'll just have to wait and see if Santa brings us a... Nissan Sentra or a Toyota Camry. What would we be remiss if we didn't talk about? I think Tesla news, right? Do we have some? A couple items. Ooh, I'm excited. They've been really quiet. So, Well, you know, they got that whole Twitter thing going on, you know, trying not to pay for satellites in space, all that kind of thing. But there's some cyber truck news. Oh, Brad sold his allotment? Nope, still got it. I'm still waiting for that bucket of chicken. 
Doge, Doge coin. I will sell it for one one hundredth of a Bitcoin. <laughs> so there was an article saying that Elon Musk says that the cyber trucks can serve briefly as a boat. <laughs> but how so, brief is briefly? As they're sinking, it's considered a boat. You remember that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where Captain Jack Sparrow is coming into port and the boat is it's still a boat. Until it's completely underwater, it's a boat. So the cyber boat, <laughs> apparently, the cyber toy boat, the cyber trot, apparently, Musk says the truck needs to be able to cross the channel between SpaceX's Starbase launch facility and South Padre Island over in southern Texas, which is a distance of about three tenths of a mile at its shortest point. So you're telling me it stays a boat for a quarter mile because it's taking on water and sinking. So it, it sinks for a quarter mile and makes it to the other side and then pulls out. No, it's apparently waterproof enough to briefly, constantly in quotes. <laughs> yeah, always allegedly. If you've ever seen the door seals on like a Tesla 3, you're telling me that this paper truck is going to go a quarter mile in the water? You fill it with foam you buy at Home Depot oh, to fill the gaps. That's what the wood is for, is to keep it afloat. Yes. I love that it's waterproof enough. That's not waterproof. That's water resistant, maybe? You, like your watches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Waterproof means waterproof. I mean, yeah, so these electric vehicles will get driven in the rain. They'll get wet. A lot of these off-road trucks and jeeps and whatnot obviously you want to be able to fjord your rivers but not really but it's like electricity and water not so good not so good like i don't know that i want to fully submerge Ooh, it this is how you thin the herd <laughs> the darwin awards <laughs> yes it should be the Cybertruck darwin edition but the truck's not even out yet and we're claiming i don't whatever tbd on this one this is like the laser beam windshield wipers and the bulletproof glass. There's none of it works. You can claim all this because the truck's not out yet. It can be whatever you want. It can have wings exactly. and fly. It can use a turbine engine. They better be sure making claims like that before some person decides that they're going to go test this theory in a lake and then bad things happen. So what have we learned from <laughs> Tesla owners? Well, and you brought up a great question with the fully autonomous self-driving Teslas which they're not, if you GPS to some location, is it going to just be like, oh, duck it. There's a lake there. I got this. Shortcut. You put in. You said shortest, shortest route. We're just going to drive through this lake. (laughs) So they've got the options on Google Maps. You can either walk it or you can do bike or you can drive. Now you can boat it. No, it's like that episode of The Office where Michael Scott blindly follows the GPS and it tells him to turn right and he drives his PT Cruiser into a lake. That is what is in store for Cybertruck owners. So another Tesla news, apparently the support page on the Tesla website is saying that there is an update to Tesla Vision and that they will be replacing their ultrasonic sensors with whatever this Tesla Vision thing is called. So cameras. You know what's funny? You can't buy or order or put a deposit on a Tesla Cybertruck. 
Does that mean yours is not valid anymore? Oh, well, here it is. It's, it's buried. It's five clicks away. Like a Mercedes. Mm. But what I also find is interesting is we have to visit the Tesla website like we're going to a software website. We have to read the release notes to see what the software patch has brought us, whether they're features, capabilities, or bugs. I also understand that as they're changing away from these ultrasonic sensors to cameras, let's call that, use quotations like they did in the Cyberboat article, the quote-unquote cameras, that the new cars will not have park assist. So park assist was too complicated, but autopilot, yeah, sure, it works just fine. But does that change their night vision? Uh, I hope so. I would hope that the vision updates improve its night sight, which is very lacking, and people's judgments also very lacking. What happened this time? <sighs> well, apparently, and you know, maybe some people will be like, well, it's only three. Three people dying is still three too many, right? I don't know the statistics on regular people driving at two o'clock in the morning and running over motorcyclists. Whoa, 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 whoa. Really? Apparently there's been three incidents in the last 51 days where a person driving a Tesla in early morning hours with their autopilot activated have struck a motorcycle or motorcyclist. They're hard enough for us to see. That's why motorcycles are loud. That's why I'm also not a big fan of EV motorcycles because people don't pay attention to motorcycles in general. That's a bad combination there, that's for sure. And I often wonder about those autopilot systems just like seeing a pedestrian, motorcycles aren't that large, especially when they're coming at you. They're no bigger than a person. And at night, we've seen what happens with the police cars and all that stuff. Still work to be done there, which is why I get annoyed when they keep claiming that they're fully self-driving. Because if they were fully self-driving, they wouldn't be rear-ending a motorcyclist, yeah. no matter the time of day. And the interesting thing is that some of those brake tests, and you've got these crazy people that have been like, oh, but Tesla's so great, they're automatic braking. There's people that have done this. I'm literally going to like drive directly into my child. I'm going to stand my child in the street. Ooh. I'm going to drive my car at them. People have been doing this. And then I'm going to like let the car stop. See, I didn't hit my child. It works. But then they're like, but I wouldn't drive the car above like a certain speed because, you know, just in case. <laughs> That's not how something that works fully automatedly. No. To go 60 miles an hour at your child and trust that the car is going to stop. I wouldn't take that bet. You're an idiot. And I think there's been some tests where people have not used children, but used dummies and whatnot. And then like the cameras have gotten confused where the car will be a slowing down, but then it's gotten so close to the object that it doesn't see the object anymore. And it thinks the object has gone and it accelerates and it drives into the object because somehow it didn't realize that it was still there. There's no camera on the earth that can replace the human eye in terms of especially judging distance and speed and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Cameras are getting smaller, they're getting more sophisticated, but in reality, it's just way too complicated. People want the Johnny Cab, but it's going to take a long time before we get there, before we can really trust the technology. And part of it is, I don't think we can trust the technology that exists today. The technology that's going to make this work doesn't exist. I don't like it when the manufacturers are testing it on the public, because then you're stuck with a feature that doesn't work. It sours the brand. Do it on a test car. Do it on a test mule. Do proper testing. But to release this to the public and then just let's see what happens, you know, beta test it with, in the wild, nah, not so much. I mean, that is a software design paradigm, if you will. Tesla, I've always said, is a software company, not a car manufacturer. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that that's the way they're doing this. But I will say now that my expectations are fully lowered. Lowered expectations. 
we have lowered his expectations thoroughly and he's ready to have them lowered even further. So apparently California is going to make it harder to sell stolen catalytic converters. How? That's a great question. How indeed? Probably by mandating the sale of electric vehicles, which don't require catalytic converters. But on bunch, they plan on passing legislation to prevent private individuals and recyclers from being able to purchase any used catalytic converters from someone who is not authorized to do so. So uh, a repair dealer or an authorized automobile dismantler with proper paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. And if you aren't authorized, then you would be fined. Okay. And then I think there's another legislation that they're trying to pass, which is all bookkeeping or record keeping, if you will, where they're going to try to keep tabs on your catalytic converter. Good luck. I love how like the third or fourth paragraph in this thing says, California has the highest number of catalytic converter thefts. No, they don't. It's people chopping them off and throwing them away and straight piping their cars. I mean, the car culture in California is so all over the map. I mean, reading stuff like this just blows my mind sometimes. This wouldn't be that big of a deal if catalytic converters weren't mandated for like that silly emissions testing. You know what? It, they'd also, it wouldn't be a big deal if they were also effective. They're very effective at making really bad smells when they go bad. I talked to somebody else in a previous episode and they reminded us that basically catalytic converters, for them to be effective, you need to be on the road for almost an hour. So for our short little commutes of five, six, 12 miles, you're not even getting the thing up to a proper operating temperature for the catalytic converter to be effective. So to your point, they're spraying out all sorts of just stuff, you know, sulfur and whatever out of there. And it's just, they don't work. Okay, it's fine. If you're sitting in traffic for a long time, yes, they're there to reduce smog and this, that, and the other thing. But again, they need to be hot. If you're not moving, the car's actually, the exhaust gas temperatures are pretty low. So again, the catalytic converter is not effective in reality. I don't want to get into a whole science lesson about it. People are probably groaning, oh, you know what the hell you're talking about. But the reality is there's an effective operating temperature for everything. And a lot of these vehicles never reach it. You can steal mine. I'll put a straight pipe in. (laughs) That's okay. But you know what else is going away? And this is the thank you moment. Facebook doesn't always do everything right. You know, we all have gripes. We have complaints. Yeah, we move away. We find the next best thing. I don't know what's replaced TikTok at this point. I'm sure there's something else. But Facebook Marketplace is going to begin banning the sales of cars in 2023. What? Cool. Good. I'm glad. Why? So they all go into Craigslist? <laughs> we all know what Craigslist is for. It's not for selling cars. Facebook Marketplace is a great place for a lot of really good jokes. Facebook Marketplace is hot trash. Like if you want to legitimately sell a car, put it on Auto Trader, Racing Junk, Cars.com. You can list them, put up your pictures. I mean. When was the last time you listed a car? I never sell cars. They just come here to die. <laughs> okay, Daniel. Didn't you sell that Passat? How did you sell that? Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> exactly. So let's just scratch this entire story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a tragic story. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. <laughs> I hate this tool I've used before. It was a terrible experience, though, and I would never do it again. That's selling a used car in general. Yeah, exactly. I, I should have scrapped it rather than sell it. It's a freaking nightmare. Some cool news. You know, we talked this month to Johan Schwartz, who's the Guinness World Record holder for the longest drift in a BMW, eight hours over 200 miles, I believe, with mid-drift refueling to boot. Well, there's another Guinness World Record 
the fastest lawnmower. How fast is that lawnmower going? It does zero to 100 miles an hour in 6.285 seconds. Verify. Wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold, hold, hold on. Who is cutting their lawn at 100 miles an hour? Tim Taylor, Tim the Tool Man, cuts his lawn at 100 miles an hour. I literally just watched that episode. <laughs> right after she watched The Golden Girls. Now, it didn't say how long it takes for that thing to stop, but that's how fast it goes. But I will say this. You watch the video. It is wicked. It sounds like Verstappen is driving this thing. I mean, it sounds like a Honda Formula car. It's epic. I got to say that zero to 100 time doesn't mean shit. I want to see the Nürburgring lap times. Uh-huh, yeah, and Pikes Peak. It's got to be Pikes yes. Peak and the Nürburgring. I want to say there was a miss here because they were, I don't know where they were, some sort of drag strip or something. I don't know. They should have been doing this in a field. I want to see yes. the lawnmower mowing the lawn. Spinning. Yes. Practical test. With blades hitting grass at 100 miles an hour. Yes. What are you talking about? It has DOT slicks and launch control. This is the best lawnmower. Its off-roading capability is 10 out of 10. The best lawnmower is a lawnmower that can mow the lawn. <laughs> this is not <laughs> that. But all jokes aside, big shout out to Jess Hawkins. She's a stunt driver, car driver, car racer, all the above. Follow her on Instagram. She was the driver of the lawnmower when they broke the record. So congratulations to her. We just put lawnmower in air quotes from now on. Then it makes it okay, right? Tesla does it with the cyber boat. That's right. It's got, quote, autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> and, quote, Quote, build quality. How many quotes on the Tesla website? That's what I want to know. It's quote Tesla unquote dot com. <laughs> we talked about French cars earlier. We talked about Citroëns earlier. And you know, my love of certain Citroëns, but they really do push the envelope on weird. Like, you know, Renault does some weird stuff. Peugeot does some weird, weird stuff. But when you really want to take it to the next level, you got to go with the Citroën. Because they've decided they're going to come out with an EV, which is made from recycled cardboard and has a top speed of 68 miles an hour. Do you think this quote briefly, quote, floats? <laughs> Have you ever seen cardboard get wet? My point. <laughs> the other thing is the fire department wouldn't have that long to wait <laughs> for the fire to like just consume <laughs> it looks like that cadillac we talked about earlier no you know what it looks like it looks like a little lego car yeah yeah and i can't hate it for that and now i wish it was made out of legos if this was a lego i would buy this cardboard i mean it's a concept car they did something fun and quirky and completely unnecessary no, but fun and quirky my left foot this is citroen they did something very normal <laughs> hits the production line in 2025 i mean i what mini did their whole cork uh interior as and well. there was the vegan volvo i mean come on they're always, yeah they're all trying new stuff and that's fine i get it but cardboard really i mean maybe they'll find a way to use the cardboard in a safe way that doesn't disintegrate or combust very easily. Wait, did, did you say the cardboard came from Safeway? Yeah, it's like in a Safeway. Like, is this like the part? <laughs> What's going on? Well, to round out just weird stuff altogether, have you guys heard of the the Deliverator? No. 
Is that the Domino's delivery car? It's the Yonoid. It sort of looks like a Yonoid. Autotechbreakthrough.com, a website I never heard of before, announced that the Deliverator had been named EV of the Year. And when you look at this thing, you would think that that dude that was building the Reliant Robin DeLorean things in like Latvia made this thing because it is just bizarre my interest is lost when i've scrolled for like five minutes here and i still don't see a picture of it so you have to watch the youtube video i'll screw that clickbait what that's not what i was expecting what the fuck it's a, literally a delivery vehicle yeah okay yeah if you go to their website it's literally del- it's, it looks like that that other car i use the term car loosely but that other one that's a three-wheel vehicle just like this that was the the Ape, the Italian one that's been around since like you know the 1900s, so <laughs> which is a Vespa with like a cap on it. No, it was like Helio or something like that. Either way, it looks like a single seater helicopter without the prop. The best I can describe it, but it's got wheels. Again, I don't know what this website is or whatever, but they named the Deliverator the EV of the year outdoing the Ionique 5 and all these other vehicles that we've talked about this year. It looks like we need to rejoin our friends from the Blue Oyster Cult. You know what? Not to disappoint, but there is not a purely Florida man this time. We're going to give them a little break. We've had some troubling past few weeks with the whole hurricane thing and being flooded out. So, you know, it's been quiet. They should have gotten Cybertrucks to come as FEMA vehicles to help them out because we realized they could be used as boats now. Briefly. Oh, if only there were any being produced. A hundred doge will get you there. But, you know, you can take the man out of Florida, but you can't take the Florida out of the man. So there's still some interesting news out across the state. So back to our friends in California. Maybe it's the first, probably not. But the police over there in Whittier, California, made an RUI. A what? A riding under the influence arrest. Someone was... Riding their horse under the influence of whippets, alcohol, and under California Vehicle Code, it states that people riding an animal on state roadways are, quote, subject to all of the duties applicable to the driver of a vehicle. Wait, so wait, you're telling me that a horse is a vehicle? <laughs> According to California Vehicle Code? Whenever we talk about California, I feel like I'm watching Portlandia. Oh my God, these people are just, we joke about people in Texas are in their own world. People in California are in their own world as well. This person was galloping through traffic. They refused to pull their horse over. So I want to know then, if a horse is considered a vehicle, are you allowed to lane split in traffic while on a horse? You can always lane split if you don't get caught. Lane splitting is legal in California. It's the only state it is, I think. I've started to wonder if it's legal in Maryland, too, because I've been seeing more and more people do that, and it's freaking me out. It is not. I didn't think so. (laughs) It is not legal in Maryland, nor will it ever be, I don't think. Good, but it shouldn't be. It's quite stupid. Jumping it, we're going to go back and forth across the coast, all right? Now we're going east coast, close to east coast, Pennsylvania. She's space ghost, coast to coast. That's her Halloween outfit where in the world is carmen san diego where in the world is florida man so florida man popped up in a frata township in pennsylvania around 2 30 p.m as he was filling his car with gas at the gas station got a little bit hot decided to strip down naked while he was pumping and then decided that the freezer box where they sell the bags of ice was an appropriate place to enter naked. 
<laughs> in the ice chest. He got in the ice chest. He was hot. You know when guys in the wintertime, and we say this all the time, I'm freezing my balls off. <laughs> he was actually doing it. <laughs> Literally. I wonder if our friend of the show, who is a judge now in Pennsylvania, is going to try this case. And if so, we'd like to get more details from said person. Uh, now, cross back over to Oregon. And I have a new respect for these Oregonians. And if you remember from last month, the Missouri guy, Cinderfella, he paddled his great pumpkin. That's right. Guinness record, possibly. Well, little did I know that there is a giant pumpkin regatta race no that happens in oregon and you have multiple people in carved out pumpkins paddling in a race no. in oregon yeah what is wrong? and these people dress up it's glorious it's a lemons race it's a pumpkins race i'm kind of disappointed nobody had a charlie brown costume on but it's fine little did you know brad is here Look for it. Oh, wait, find wait, Brad wait, in the pictures. Go. Wait, wait, what? I see. Oh! It's right before in the, Waldo. In the, in the unicorn pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad. Why didn't you film this for us? You could have you been live on site. I see that Andrew is there too with his uh, Randy Savage glasses sinking. <laughs> he must have had the same build quality as the Cybertruck. True. He, he was briefly boating there in his pumpkin. Yeah, it's called sinking slowly. When did you go to Oregon? That's brilliant. How do you know that I didn't? <laughs> that was me there. But yes, so that's fantastic. Way to go. I'd love to see that spectacle firsthand. <laughs> I would do it. I just don't, I don't want to deal with the pumpkins. No, I want to watch. I don't want to be in the pumpkin. Yeah. just want to watch. But we'll round out these last two with a little bit of Halloween fun since it is Halloween. So <laughs> New Jersey 101.5, your source for the creepiest Halloween car in New Jersey. And it belongs to a guy in Somerset. This thing so is apparently there's a dude wild. running around in New Jersey, striking fear in 80s children's nightmare land with mike myers and chucky and freddie and like all the baddies in the horror films from that era he's got those dummies in his highlander rav4 or whatever that is and riding along as passengers i guess he's getting to the hov lanes he's, he's even dragging like a body underneath the car on the driver's side he's got cicadas cicadas <laughs> <laughs> i really like the nun in the trunk like that is that's that's sick that's really that's cool. from the movie the conjuring the second movie that's creepy af yeah, is what that is terrifies the hell out oh, of me. i'm, I'm okay with all the other characters but that nun is freaking creepy that's yeah wild. you gotta you gotta watch the conjuring too Nah, I don't I don't need to. I'm good. So the last one here, in theme with the haunted drive-through Orlando experience, which I believe there's even there's more of those have popped up. I didn't realize that haunted car washes are a thing. <laughs> How does that even work? The video is quite good. If you find yourself in Indiana, you can go to the Fisher's car wash, prime car wash off I-69 at 13801 Olivia Way and uh, get possessed by some employees there as you, you know, drive through. It's $20 per car. You get a car wash at the end. So you get haunted, but you do get your car cleaned and they're donating 30% of those proceeds to the American Legion to support veterans. So it's for a good cause. Basically, they did like colors through the water to make it look. Well, I, I didn't understand if like, so you're, you're wetting my car with dyed water. How's that cleaning it? That's why. <laughs> That's why they have to wash it again. 
<laughs> so what happens when you, somebody has like a code brown moment? Do they clean the inside too? They said that if it gets too scary for you at any point in time, you put your flashers on and everyone knows to leave you alone and you can just proceed through the car wash. How big is this car wash? I don't envision it being more than maybe one or two cars long. I don't know, but I think they started it like out into the parking lot too is some of the festivities what i really didn't like is in the video and it might just have been promotional reasons but they showed like the zombie person like banging on the glass of the car and no you don't touch my car (laughs) she's like no no. no. Just like you don't touch me if I'm walking through a haunted house, you don't touch my car as it's driving through your haunted washer thing. It reminds me of the story when I got kicked out of Six Flags. I was with a group of people and we went, it was the Halloween, whatever. Fright Fest. We, yeah, it was Fright Fest. We were going through one of the many haunted houses that they had on site. One of the workers bumped into someone I was with. So I kind of threw him to the ground and <laughs> I didn't think anything of it until we got out of the exhibit security was waiting for us to throw me out whoops yeah. whoopsie so don't touch my car and don't touch my friends that you get the horns you mess with the viking you get the horns well it's time we go behind the pit wall for our remaining motorsports news and this month we actually have some nascar news yeah so there was some interesting you know as the wheel turns drama on soap opera known as nascar kyle larson pinched off bubba wallace bubba wallace ended up tapping the wall that tapped him into kyle kyle went down toward the infield then all of a sudden you see bubba's car shooting like a missile heat seeking slams into kyle's car causes like a ricochet inadvertently hitting somebody else who had nothing to do with this whole kerfuffle thing who was basically like in points contention for something or other so they screwed him up and then bubba gets out of his car they're both fine everyone's fine nobody got hurt they gets out of his car and then proceeds to calmly walk a long distance to kyle and then begin shoving him in a very cat-like way Kyle was having none of that. He didn't really push back too much or anything like that. Yeah, so Bubba was really pissed because he got hit, which he didn't get hit. He just got pinched off and, and hit the wall a little bit. Had he just kept going, he could have kept driving. But of course, he claimed that, you know, hitting the wall damaged the steering and he couldn't steer. And so that's why his car went like accelerated, oh, okay. heat seeking. Like Forza. Yeah. Down the track. Exactly. Mag- magnets in, uh, activated and just boom into the back of Kyle and wrecked him out for good because Kyle also could have kept going had he not been crashed out at the bottom of the infield so that's your NASCAR drama did they all forget over on WWE I mean NASCAR that Rubin is racing well see that's what I thought wasn't a little bit, a little bit of rub, rub that wall get some paint off keep going exactly right we're all about trading paint but also Bubba Wallace was handed a suspension for one race and that triggered me to go wait so now nascar sort of like world wrestling and the nfl i didn't know drivers could get suspended you know obviously a couple of videos and coverage from the event was covering it live uh, as it was happening but the first i saw i hadn't seen the car incident i just seen them at the bottom of the track and him getting out i literally thought i was watching like wwe i was like wow this is i haven't seen nascar in a while this is different <laughs> somebody's gonna get a folding chair and they're gonna start hitting each other you know that's how it goes yeah brilliant i, I hate to say nascar is really hard for me to watch on television i don't mind it live like when you're going with friends and you watch the race it's just the whole atmosphere but to watch it on tv you, I, there's other things i'd rather do honestly 
so I missed it all. But watching the recap, I'm like, what the heck is going on over there? I mean, that was unsportsmanlike. Oh, 100%. He deserves something. I mean, that's not right. I mean, you could have seriously injured somebody. Well, you know, in the more... In the more refined, in the great poupon of racing. Yes, in the more refined world of sports car racing. We talked earlier about the BMW and its massive front grills. <laughs> allowing air into the radiators and capturing small children, animals, and Porsches along the way. Cadillac isn't waiting until 2024 or whatever. They have already teased, shown us the release of their new Cadillac LMDH car. They have announced they are targeting not one, not two, but three LMDH Cadillacs for the 2023 Le Mans 24 hours. I mean, the field of cars is going to be massive. Three Cadillacs alone is awesome. They've also announced who the team members are going to be, the drivers. So they're going to have Sebastian Bourdais. They're going to have Renger van der Zand, Pippo Durrani, Alexander Sims. They'll all be majors on the team running those Cadillacs at 2023. I'm really excited to see them on the big stage. We just went through Petite where they sunset the DPI cars, so there is no more Cadillac prototype. This is the one that's replacing it. They did reveal the Cadillac prototype at Petit Le Mans, and that was cool to see even from afar. I wish I was there to see it in person, but I'm really excited again for the 100th anniversary of Le Mans. It's going to be awesome to see all these cars on the big stage. Cadillac needs to cancel production on the Celestique and the Lyric or whatever other BS they're making and sell this car. Yes. This Cadillac looks stunning. I would drive it. It it's, it's amazing. Yes. Meanwhile, in the other organization, <laughs> SRO World Challenge has revealed their 2023 schedule early. There are still 14 races at seven locations in the 2023 calendar. There's not going to be a race at Watkins Glen next year. They put NOLA and Circuit of the Americas in place of two other races. The schedule plays out as Sonoma, NOLA, Coda, VIR, Road America, Sebring, and Indy Motor Speedway closing out the year. So they got rid of St. Petersburg. They got rid of Watkins Glen, kind of changing things around. Fortunately, I don't know that I'm going to make VIR. VIR because I'll be at Le Mans. So, you know, if I had to pick between VIR and Le Mans, I I don't know, it's going to be a tough call. But there's other exciting news coming out of SRO World Challenge, and that's that the CHR GT3 is coming in 2024, and they're already testing it. They're doing balance of power to bring the new Corvette into World Challenge to compete with the offerings from Porsche, Ferrari, BMW, and so on down the line. SRO World Challenge really shaping up to be a great series here in the next couple of years as they bring more cars online. And we already know the new Hondas are here. They're bringing other vehicles and makes into touring car and things like that. There's a really nice evolution happening. So if you're not into World Challenge, definitely check it out. And their coverage on YouTube even during the race and after is absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. And unlike Eric, I might be at the VIR race because I will not be going to Le Mans that I know of as of right now. Well, we have some other racing news. As we know, there's always our crazy Aussie friends. They like to send it and then some. So there's the annual Bathurst 1000 and the annual Best of Bathurst crash videos comes along with that. We have that linked in our show.
show notes if you want to check it out. One of our members sends it to us every year. It is a spectacle for sure. And again, the coverage of the race, V8 Supercars, amazing stuff. You can always go back and watch it on YouTube. But the best of is a great way to get to the exciting bits of the Bathurst 1000. Also, coming out today on October 20th, if you've got HBO Max, there's a new documentary called Fastest Woman on Earth. And it's telling the story of Jesse Combs, who unfortunately died in 2019 trying to break the land speed record of like 512 miles an hour or something like that. This documentary was actually years in the making before her death. So um, there's probably going to be a lot of interesting information on her journey and her unfortunate passing. That was sad. Very sad. I used to watch her on the extreme 4x4 during the uh, the power block on Motor Trend. Well, now we got to switch to local news. Upcoming local news and events brought to us by CollectorCarGuy.net, the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts. Brad, before you get into what's coming up in November, I just wanted to do a quick recap and shout out of the Antique Auto Club of America's Hershey National. This was the first big get together since COVID. They did some other ones in the last couple of years. But this was my first time at the Hershey Nationals. They had to shut down the park, obviously, to the public. They used every square inch of parking lot, overflow, roads, grass areas for parking. It was insane. Allegedly, I'm going to use air quotes, like from earlier, if you do every row of every table of every booth of every corner of every lot, it's almost an entire marathon, 26 miles of walking. And that's how many different vendors there are out there with all their parts. There was also an auction hosted by RM Sotheby's and one of our uh, friends of the show, Alan, was actually selling off one of his Packards, which was pretty cool. And we also had our sponsor appreciation and fan happy hour event. We had over 40 people turn out to that. We had some guests of the show that had been on in their episodes are still yet to air there at the happy hour with us. It was a great event. It was a great time. Met a lot of new friends, old friends, and the food was awesome too. So big shout out to the Tattered Flag and Hershey for hosting us. And we look forward to doing something like this again in the future. So if you're ever interested in joining us, take a look at our calendar or give us a shout on our Facebook group to see where we're going to be at next. Speaking of calendars, so let's see what's coming up for November. Race car swap meet at Carlisle on November the 5th. You'll probably be seeing Mountain Man Dan there. And did you know that WDCR SCCA has been running a kart league? Race number four is at United Karting on November 6th, as well as the 14th annual Veterans Appreciation Car and Truck Show. And we have the 32nd annual Hanover Street Rods Toys for Tots Drive on November 13th. And tons more events like this and all their details are available over at CollectorCarGuide.net. That's right. And if you want to get your event listed and promoted, be sure to hop over there as well. You can do that for free. There's a self-service portal where you can set all that up and it'll go on the calendar. And we might read your event here on the drive-thru. It's also time for us to do the HPDE Junkie Trackside Report. Now, in our area, the track season is winding down, but there are still tons, if not I should say hundreds of events across the country that you can still partake in in the areas of the country where they just don't have any seasons or change in the season. But there is some big news coming to NJMP, New Jersey Motorsports Park in 2023. Thunderbolt, my personal favorite, is undergoing a repave and expansion. They're adding what looks like four different optional configurations to Thunderbolt, some of which will cut out the famed octopus. 
some at a chicane coming out of turn one in the turn one, two area of the track. And again, they're offering different combinations to kind of mix things up and make the racing on the Thunderbolt circuit more interesting. So I'm curious to run it the way it is. I like the configuration the way it is, but we all know that when a track is repaved, there's a time of adjustment as it settles in and then the lap times suddenly change. So I guess we're going to have to update our leaderboard as to NJMP prepave and post repave. So looking forward to those new lap times and those new records. That said, the annual Helmets Off to Heroes, better known to many of us around here as Hoth, is happening again under the control of SCCA, WDCR region, and it's going to be held at Summit Point on November the 6th. There is no fee for this event if you're in time to register if you are a veteran or active duty service member. This is a high-performance driver's clinic. The day is split up between exercises in the beginning and then instructed track time in the afternoon. So the idea is to get you out there, get you comfortable, get you to wet your whistle a little bit and see if you're interested in the world of high-performance driver's education. So Hoth or Helmets Off to Heroes is a great way to kick that off and it's a great way to celebrate Veterans Day. Audi Club, Potomac, Chesapeake region, returns to BIR November the 5th and 6th. As we all know, here at the halls of GTM, this has been a fantastic event. Despite the variable weather at BIR, there are some of us from the club side of the house going to BIR in November. Not all of us can make it this year, but we hope to return and celebrate our fall finale with the Audi Club next year. Yay! <laughs> so if you're looking for something to do in early November, that pretty much that event kind of closes the door on the DC area and the track season unless you continue to go south and if you are looking to go south hod's southeast region has added two more events to their schedule they're holding an event at atlanta motorsports park on november the 6th as well as a turkey bowl reminiscent of what secca does at summit point they're going to be holding their version of the turkey bowl at roebling road on november the 21st our guest of the show, Nabil, owner of Just Track It down south, is going to be hosting a Toys for Tots toy drive as well as HPDE event at Barber Motorsports Park on November the 19th and 20th. So if you're looking for some warmer events, those are three that you should be adding to your calendar for sure. In addition to that, I will be at the IMRRC, the International Motor Racing Research Center up in Watkins Glen for their annual symposium. This is the first one since COVID. It will actually be held at the Watkins Glen Media Center on November the 4th and 5th. Please stop by for a chat or sign up to be on the show and we'll be live streaming this event on the Grand Touring Motorsports Twitch. So that's twitch.tv forward slash Grand Touring Motorsports. So if you want to hear from Hall of Famers, NASCAR folks, other people in the industry. It's a two-day symposium and we'll be live streaming all that for you guys to check out if you can't come up to the Glen. In case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired this month. October was jam-packed. We kicked off with A Girl's Guide to Cars featuring drive through number 26 guest host Sarah Lacey, who explains the unique perspective of car buying for ladies. Next, we devoted an entire week to late model racing with Mike Gallagher and Kobe Timms from Late Model Mafia, a guided tour of the Eastern Museum of Motor Racing with 10-time dirt track champion Lynn Paxton and EILFM crossover with Stephen Izzy, where we reviewed Mountain Man Dan's new favorite movie, Trading Paint, starring John Travolta and Shania Twain. We chatted with one of the hardest working teams in SRO World Challenge, Todd Brown and Johan Schwartz from Rooster Hall Racing. And we also dove deep into Johan's world records for longest drift and fastest laps, along with other great paddock stories. 
Mark Green returns with a Boomerang crossover episode when he joins Brad and Eric to share the origin behind Cars Yeah, a five-day-a-week podcast featuring inspiring automotive enthusiasts that topples over 2,000 published episodes for you to catch up on. Both Brad and Eric's interviews are also available for you to review courtesy of Mark, making it a three-part miniseries. A bonus episode drops two days from this episode, rounding out October, where we chat with Johnny Ransom from GAA Classic Car Auctions and learn more about why you should not only attend the vehicle auction, but sell your car at one. Important details on their November event are also available in this episode. If you want to learn more about pre-released and bonus episodes, be sure to check out our new Facebook group for BreakFix, where you can get exclusive early access to episodes and more as they drop. By the way, folks, this is the last official drive through for 2022. Next month will be the showcase of our holiday shopping guide, and December brings our best of episode. We'll catch up with all the interesting news starting again in January. Thank you to all the guests that came on the show this month. We have some really exciting episodes lined up for the rest of season three. And don't forget, this season ends at the end of February, right before the racing season kicks off. We will be back for season four and lots more drive-through news. Tons of episodes still to come, so stay tuned throughout those holiday months. Well, we don't have any new Patreons for October. There's some whispers. There's some hints. There's people saying, where can we send you money? How can we help you? It's always the same, folks. Patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. So if you're getting into that season of giving, think about helping us out a little bit. You know, it keeps the lights on. There are expenses to running these shows, running all the websites, all that kind of stuff. Every little bit goes a long way to help us continue to deliver quality content every week. You know, we are on an aggressive schedule. We put out, let's see. 60 some odd episodes uh, this year. So it's, it's just craziness and more great stuff to come. So we appreciate anything and everything. And thank you again to everyone that has supported us to this point. And even though we don't have any Patreons, we do have some other shout outs, some anniversaries. Doug Turner and Ben Schur for celebrating seven years with GTM, while Chris Waite clocks in at four years. And Mike Ruber and Nate Burton from our Hot Hatch Volvo episode, two years. And finally, Greg Bell celebrating his first anniversary as a GTM club member. If you'd like to become a member of GTM, be sure to check out the new Clubhouse website at club.gtmotorsports.org to learn more. Special thanks to guest host No One. Thank you for coming on. And of course, our co-host and executive producer, Tanya. Thank you so much for putting together such a wonderful show. I love these drive throughs We are so well prepared and it's all thanks to you. <laughs> because as Tanya says, never more prepared than when you're not prepared. That's right. So remember, folks, for everything we talked about on this episode and more, be sure to check out the follow-on article that accompanies this on gtmotorsports.org. And to all the members, families, and friends who support us week after week after week, as Brad likes to say, without you, none of this would be possible. But we'd still be doing it. <laughs> because we're stubborn. Yes, because we're, we're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> stubborn. da 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 in front of us cars in back of us all just waiting to order there's some idiot in a volvo with his bright sign behind me i lean out the window and scream hey what you trying to do blind me my wife says maybe we should talk if you like what you've heard and want to learn more about gtm be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org you can also find us on instagram at grand touring motorsports 
Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.